high desert in the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the cosmos. Tonight, this talk program will do something that no other talk program dare do. We will take unscreened, unprepared, on everything, open line talk radio. That means anybody can get through on any subject they want to. Now, how long you remain on the air may depend on how interesting you manage to be fairly quickly. But it's going to be open line, rip them, tear them, anything goes, no net talk radio. Now, I will open one special line, and that would be the first-time caller line, all right? And what we're going to do there, instead of the usual, although you could certainly, I guess, at the same time be a first-time caller, cutting through all the baloney... And I mean cutting through all the baloney. All I want on that line is anybody who has had physical alien contact. As in, you touched them. Or probably more likely they touched you. That's all I want on that line. Physical alien contact. Now that that removes a lot of possibilities like, well, Art, it happened in my dream. No. We, I think, uh, many in this audience believe that we have been contacted, that we are in contact right now, that we've been visited for a long time. And there are many, many allegations of uh, very close encounters. In other words, that's what I'm after tonight is really close encounters. Either you touch them or they touched you, right? Alien contact. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Now, the one line for that, and everybody else calling for any other reason on that line should immediately hang up and give it up, because the only thing I will accept on that line are people claiming actual physical alien contact. That number is area code 775-727-1222. It is a separate and distinct line, and now set aside for those who really have had a close encounter. 757-727-1222. Now, on all the other lines, you are welcome to do as you will. We'll see. Open lines are just what they are. Open lines. You get what you get. All right. One more item before we look briefly at the news and then launch. I'm very proud of my sister, Jessie. And uh, you can follow this by... This is an amazing, really is an amazing thing, to, what you're about to see. My sister, Jessie, ever since she was little, we were all little, she would take every single one of our family pets and she would sequester them and train them and train them and train them. I mean, she she just really uh, took the, the family pet and you, you didn't see it for hours, you know, while it was getting trained. Well, she's really good at what she does. In fact, phenomenal, actually. And she won, I don't know how many of you know about Animal Planet, but she won a segment of of Animal Planet with her dog. It's an amazing... Maggie is her dog, and this dog... You're going to have to... No tricks that I'm aware of. You know, I've talked to Jess, and what you're going to see is going to astound you for sure. We've got a link to the, the video from Animal Planet on the, on the front page of the website, coasttocoastam.com. You'll see my sister there with Maggie. 
and you click on it and go watch the video. And what you're going to see there is going to astound you and it's going to make you ask questions. You should be asking real questions about what animals are when you watch this. I mean, what they really are. You're going to see it isn't a trick. This dog can do math. It can do math. You ask a question, subtraction, addition, maybe even multiplication, right? Division. This animal can do math. And I, I know what you're going to see. Was it going to seem, it's going to seem not believable, but you will see the judges on Animal Planet say, hey, there's no signing going on here. There's no baloney. It's a real thing. This is amazing. And so she won. And so I was kind of proud, so I put it up on, had it put up in the middle of the website there. Thank you uh, very much for getting it up there, guys. So that's my sister Jessie with her dog Maggie, Animal Planet winner. Anyway, if what you see doesn't make you question what we all think about uh, animals, then you just weren't watching carefully. Looking a little bit at the world... Indonesia increased its death toll from last week's earthquake and tsunamis now to, this is just Indonesia, to 94,081 Monday, raising the total number of people reported killed in 11 countries now to at least 137,321. Uh, they say the death toll will hit 150,000 on Sunday. A Sumatran uh, fisherman was discovered barely alive under his beached boat, the first survivor found in three days now. But with tens of thousands, that's a big number, tens of thousands still missing in crushed seaside settlements and in the flotsam washing the shores of the Indian Ocean, rescuers have turned full attention to getting food and water to those they know are alive. Insurgents, uh, they're keeping it up. They're going to try and kill the election. They exposed the vulnerability of Iraq's security forces again Sunday. They killed at least 22 National Guardsmen and their driver in a suicide uh, bombing and 10 other people in separate attacks with elections only now weeks away. What do you think? Are they going to make it? It does not seem as though things are going well. So if they hold the election despite all of this, then they will really have achieved something. Now, this is not good news. Canada has confirmed its second case of mad cow disease. They did it today, just days after the U.S. announced plans to reopen uh, the border to Canadian beef. But the U.S. Department of Agriculture suggested it would not change its stance, the dairy cow from the province of Alberta, which was born in 1996, is tested positive. According to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, uh, the results confirmed preliminary tests released earlier this week. We do not want mad cow disease loose in America, and it's pretty close. All right, you've got the theme for this evening's program. Now, incidentally, I guess I should mention, just in case there is a plethora of people who have had actual physical alien contact. The one number that I have reserved away need not be the only number you would call. You're welcome to attempt to get through on any line, if that's the case with you. Otherwise, it's open lines, and the unexpected is directly ahead. 
Are you? Listen, there's one more very important thing that you need to pay attention to um, up on the website, and that is right below, I told you about my, you'll see the picture of my sister there. Then as you scroll down the website a little bit, you're going to see something that you knew, you just had to know I could not resist putting up tonight. And as you might have expected, Princeton University, with its Global Consciousness Project, and its many, I don't know, 62 at least, I believe, uh, internationally placed eggs. These eggs are all little computers spitting out random numbers, and they have watched uh, major events in the world now for a long time, and we have watched them. Now, this is perhaps becoming one of my favorite topics, consciousness, period. I, I've told you that I believe consciousness, directed consciousness, and we've proven that here on the air, can have an effect on the physical world, whether it's to change the weather or change the outcome of an event. This power is real, and what I've placed on the website tonight for you is another demonstration of that if you care to look. The proof is there. And I refer, of course, to the tsunami. And we now have the printouts from Princeton of what the eggs reported with respect to the tsunami. And guess what, folks? 30 minutes before the tsunami, as you might expect, the chart went jumping. A full 30 minutes before the tsunami, the charts began to jump. And the only way that can be true, the only way that, I mean, when we, when we had 9-11, people argued, for example, that, well, you know what, then, it's probably, it's probably reading uh, the intent of the uh, hijackers or something like that. But uh, in this case, it's Mother Nature. And here we have another um, result. It doesn't make the case, but it puts another nail in the coffin. That's for doggone sure of this incredible project at Princeton, Princeton, this consciousness project. It's proving it, event by event by event, and now another event has registered on their radar at Princeton, and the proof is up there for you to read. Thought you'd be interested. Let's go to our special event line, this event being an actual physical encounter with an alien. Hello there. Hello. Hi. What is your first name? Your first name, Mary. Mary. Okay, Mary. Uh, you know what this is all about. Now, oh, you I have a had actual physical contact, Mary, with a with an alien. Well, many times, but uh, this is something that's very unusual. I am um, about two months ago. I had an alien actually enter into my body. While I was fully awake, 7 o'clock at night, my family around, and then my husband saw me. It was uh, bizarre. <laughs> when, when this event occurred, Mary, were you conscious of what was happening to you? Totally conscious. Totally I was, conscious. I was watching 
getting ready to watch Dateline, and I had all this energy flowing through my body, and um, I looked up, and I could see three aliens, the greys, standing there, and they're actually in a beam of light. Okay. And they just showed themselves for a second, and about 15, 20 minutes later, I couldn't get up off the chair, and I finally was able to get up, and I felt really weird, and I, all of a sudden, it felt like there was two people inside of me, and I could actually feel them and feel, feel its feelings. All right. This is going to seem like a rude, <laughs> a, a rude question, Mary, but okay. I, I've got to ask it. Um, how do you know it wasn't all in your head? It, because, you know what, it felt like, it felt like my body was just overstuffed, and plus I had all this energy just flowing through my body. I know, I've got all that. But I mean, how do you know that it was sourced out? How do you know that it really was aliens? Uh, now, you say you, you saw Grace. Uh, and I, so again, if I I'm had asking, not have saw them, yeah, had I not seen them, I would have thought maybe it was just some bizarre episode, but, but it, I, I don't know how, to, how else to explain it. Could, could it have been a bizarre <laughs> episode uh, accompanied by uh, something in your imagination? Could that be? Or, what? you know, was there any way for you to discern that you were fully conscious? You know, reach down, pinch yourself, whatever. I, I was. I was walking around. I was. I actually went outside and was walking around. I was, I could, I was talking to my husband, but I was also experiencing this, I, I, how else do you explain something else being in your body? It's it's hard. To I don't know. Somebody. What do you? All right. <laughs> what do you? What do you think the intent was of what was done to you? What? Why? Any idea? Guess. The the the. I well, what I understand is that I could tell he. I'll just call it a he. Um, had never experienced the human physical body before he was seemed somewhat maybe more dimensional maybe that's why he hadn't he, uh, he just seemed so amazed with so at the time petting that, the dog and petting the cat and, got it at the time that he was in you so to speak or meshed with you uh not only was he detecting you but you were detecting his feelings as well yeah and and that is how i know that there was somebody inside of me. Not only that, you could physically see. I mean, my husband was looking at me, and I mean, I was looking at myself in the mirror. I mean, my eyes were felt like they were bulging out, and I, I my facial, my just face just was was different. What did I mean, your husband have? Well, yeah, what did he have to say about all of this? He didn't quite. He, you know, he believed me. He because I've had, I've had other things happen. Uh-huh. I mean, before, but but he he believes me. I mean, he really believed me, and and um, there was no doubt about it that that something just yeah. amazing was happening, and uh, and it, I don't know how else to you know what what else to say about it. It was a great, unique experience, and I have to say that uh, very very benevolent, kind. Ah, okay. That's that's thing what, inside of me. That's what <laughs> I wanted. Benevolent and kind. So you felt all of that. That there wasn't uh, any. 
I don't know. Um, no intrusion. Yeah. Uh, there was there well, was there was none that. of that. It it, it was it was a uh, it was like a child touching things and walking for the first time. So it was really a unique experience for me too. Well, that's a that's a very interesting description. Like a child doing something for the first time. That's what it would be like too. Um, he was and he was very worried about about scaring my husband and scaring my son. I actually kept turning away from my son because um, I looked so bizarre <laughs> at the time. Um, All right. As with most who have had this kind of experience, apparently, and you said it, it's happened to you before. Maybe not exactly time, this. That's the only time that that had happened. Oh. I've had oh. I've had other contacts with, with aliens, and uh, I've woken up on ships and things like that, but this is... This, this is really a unique... Is there, is there anything experience. else? You know, it's an opportunity. An awful lot of people listening, uh, you had real contact. Was there any message or any understanding that you gleaned from these beings in any of your encounters that would be important to pass along to the audience? Uh, well, a lot of the encounters that I had had, I... I only remember bits and pieces, and I had a lot of um, anger and hostility. So I'm really kind of shocked that that in these last years I've had really great experiences with uh, them. And, and all I have to all I have to say is that is that they they were the greys, and and these ones were really nice. I can't say that for all of them, but do you think I, the, the early bad experiences? that you had were only bad because you were frightened, or do you think they really were bad, you know, in perspective, looking back? I, you hit it right on the head, Art. I, I think that's what it was. I, I was so afraid. I, you know, actually, what I had did was I was so afraid of them, and I was so angry at being abducted all the time mm -hmm. that I just said out loud, Come to me during the day, and I won't be afraid. You know, if you just do, you know, you scare me at night. And when I the, the, when I said that, I started having these great daytime experiences. So, huh. you know, I don't know what else. You know, that, it, that happened. Maybe it'll help us help other people. Maybe if they do that. Do you think this is really common, Mary? Do you think a lot of people are having these experiences? Have you met anybody else who is? Not that kind of an experience. Not where they've come right inside your body. Um, I've uh, never heard of that. Well, yeah, but I know, you know what I, I know haven't people either. People have had good experiences. I, I've never listen. Yeah. I've never heard of it either, Mary. But the odds are now that you have told this story. Trust me, I'll bet you a whole bunch of light bulbs went on out there, and there's people trying to dial saying that happened to me too. Anyway, I hope, hope they do. Yeah, and I really appreciate your calling. So there's no overall message that you got, Mary, that people should know about. I mean, are you ready to say, don't everybody, don't worry, they're friendly? Well, I don't know all of them, so I, I couldn't honestly say that. I, I'm I'm happy I met some that were nice. Uh, I can't say speak for all of them, but but the ones I've been meeting lately are very nice. So. Again, I, and and I and I got no direct message from him when he was inside of me. He was there to just experience. No, no experience big, uh, no big Earth straighten out or else kind of message, right? 
No. <laughs> no. Okay. Mary, uh, thank you for calling. Thanks, sir. Right. What a good, very excellent way to begin. Little did I expect that sort of thing. She, uh, she was occupied. And in, and during the daylight and during a time that she was with her family. That's pretty incredible stuff, actually. So, there you are. That line is reserved away for those who have had, and she qualified, actual physical contact with aliens. You touching them, or of course, they're touching you. <laughs> Otherwise, open lines all night long. Something other talk shows dare not do. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5. And dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is indeed, and we're only taking calls on what is usually the first-time caller line from people, anybody, who's had physical alien contact. And that means exactly what it says. No, it happened in my dreams, but physical, actual, alien contact. Mary had one inside her. That counts. <laughs> Coming up in a moment, 
more of you. It's ironic. Normally, this would just be a kind of a cutesy little uh, Christmas story, you know. But if you listen carefully to the words and it doesn't stare the, just scare the hell out of you and stand the hair on the back of your neck straight up, then you're not listening. Uh, 19 December is when it was written. Santa and his reindeer will be able to see their way so much better than ever on Christmas Eve. For a mysterious light is beginning to brighten the dark polar winter. Eskimos and scientists report a strange, quote, lightness at noon, end quote, that is turning the usual all-day darkness of the high Canadian Arctic into twilight, apparently in defiance of natural law. Canadian government officials say that, it, well, it might be the result of an unusual atmospheric phenomenon caused by global warming. Inuit hunters, those are the Eskimo hunters uh, up there, are telling the government's weather station at uh, Resolute Bay, Canada's second most northerly village, a thousand miles from the North Pole, of a new light in the sky. And Wayne Davidson, the Canadian government official who runs that station, says he believes it might be caused by climate change. So how about that? A new light in the sky where there ought be none. That seemed a story worth reporting. On my special little line, uh, reserved away for those who had actual alien physical contact, you would seem to be on the air. Hello. Hi, my name's Rod. Rod. Uh, okay, Rod, from where are you calling? Uh, Sparks, Nevada. Oh, right here in Nevada. Yep. Hello, Nevadan. All right. Sure. Well, then I'm sure what you say will be as solid as silver. I believe so. All right. What happened to you, Rodden? Uh, well, this particular uh, time, uh, I was 19. Uh, I'm a, a long-time uh, abductee. Um, I was water skiing. This, I lived up in Oregon, and I was water skiing, had uh, a real bad uh, accident, hit the water, uh, got uh, water into my sinuses, uh-huh. uh, blowing my nose real heavily. All of a sudden, this little... Uh, Silicone things comes out of my sinuses. Uh, flawless. Uh, perfectly cut, about uh, the size of a uh, pencil in diameter, probably about three-quarters of an inch long. And you noticed this along with everything else that, well, came out? Yes, yeah. Uh, it scared me to death. Cause this yeah, oh, that wouldn't be... I, listen, anytime you sneeze up um, plastic, it's got to be... Or uh, whatever in the hell it was. <laughs> exactly. This... This shouldn't have been there, uh, so I was quite, quite startled. Uh, so I put it on my dash. Uh, I was in my car, and all of a sudden, just a, a, a sudden impulse came over me uh, to grab it and throw it. And as soon as it left my hand, I'm thinking, "What? And why did I do that?" So uh, I didn't think anything of it, and and then years later. Uh, I recall an incident when they uh, came back and reinserted it. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Well, this is quite a story. I mean, the average, first of all, um, you'll have to excuse me for asking, but mm -hmm. it's not usual to examine your sneezes. No. 
So what made you look at that? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, it just, you know, it was there. I mean, because I was just surprised at how much stuff was coming out of my sinuses. Uh, yeah, you know, a little bit of blood and, you know, just a lot of... Uh, apparently buildup, but... Uh, well, that's why a lot of people look at sneezings and coffins, you know. Oh, could there uh, be blood there? Uh, no, yeah. instead you've got this godforsaken whatever it is. So you throw this thing, and you don't even know why you threw it. No, no. It was uh, it was just uh, instant. I mean, I had no control. Because uh, I, I wanted to save it uh, for... Well, sure. Research, I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, I had no clue. Absolutely. You know, because I, I was completely unaware of my my situation at this time. I, I've only known for probably about, well, I don't know. I mean, it's weird if they years. made you throw it, because by then you would assume if that was the center of their influence that they had just lost it. Uh, I have no clue. Yeah, well, you know, sure. Uh, and then uh, you say they put it back. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, my, my brothers and my uh, father and mother were all abductees also. Uh, but at any rate, uh, this a particular time when they came back, uh, like I said, I lived up in Oregon, uh, lived near some holly fields. Uh, my uh, middle brother and I shared one room, and the youngest brother was off into another room. Well, I, my brother and I were sitting uh, facing uh, facing the uh, windows, and all of a sudden uh, I see something flash across the window, and that's the last of that evening that I remembered. But then, consciously, I remembered quite a few late, uh, years later. So then this thing is still within you now? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a long-time abductee. Your families are abductees. That's so typical of the whole abductee thing. Um, is there any anything you can clue us in on in terms of the motivation for what they do, what their goals are, anything, anything at all? Um, well, I, I think it's just a lot of research. Um, they've taken a lot of semen. Um, they've actually showed me um, children uh, that they had. So you uh, think you've spawned? No, they pointed one out that, that was mine. Yeah, it was uh, pretty wild. Pretty wild is yeah. putting it mildly. Um, all right, listen, man. Thank you for the call. Mm -hmm. I I very much appreciate it. And uh, I don't know. Don't catch colds. Or, or maybe it's better if you do. I don't know. What would you do if you sneezed up a hunk of whatever? Brother. Well, I guess I'm not surprised. Uh, we get story after story after story of contact. These people that I've talked to so far, these first two, sound straight on to me. I wonder how many of you uh, begin to believe that we are being visited and we're being... Well, he seemed to think the whole thing was sort of medical. We're being studied right now, and that seems to be all we know. A wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. How are you doing, Art? Oh, quite well, thank you. That's good, that's good. What is your first name, and where are you? My first name is Sharon. I'm in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. All right. Yeah, home of the BSE, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the that's second fun. one. Uh, how did how's Canada taken that news? Not good. Not well, huh? Not good, no. And Manitoba is a beef province as well. And the poor guys are just going down the tubes. Okay. It's what are so they... I, I'm curious, ma'am. Do you know, um, in Canada, are they... What are the, the feeding rules up there? They're not allowed to feed parts. They're really strict. Pardon me? No, that's, that's the surprising thing, is they are really strict up here. They are? Uh-huh. 
And like some of, our farmers, some of our farmers are sort of like, well, you know, what gives? Because our rules are as stricter, stricter than the state's. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things, I guess. Well, anyway, maybe, I, maybe they better look more carefully at one of these things. I mean, this mm-hmm. is now the second time, and maybe this BSE is spreading in some other way. That, that, that would be nice to investigate. We, I wish it, they would. Yeah. Well, if they're not looking at that, then they're not doing their jobs. Uh, and especially this second cow is a pet cow that's been around for 10 years. Oh, brother. Yeah. It's not even a food cow or like it's a dairy cow. But oh, it's brother. It's for dairy for years. Oh, now that's you know, really, really weird. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's sort of out of the mainstream system. Okay. Well, you called for something else, no doubt. Yes, I did. I did. Um, and I'll admit, first... First off, I'm an idiot. I don't know the sprint number, so I just phoned. Because I'd like to get some sleep. The other night, you had a show on about predictions. That's right. And I have been being harassed because I didn't phone you to let you know you're going to have a chance to get an orange kitty, a little four-footer. Oh. And and I'm supposed to let you know that you have to take that kitty because he's going to be really important. He's doing something for you. Oh. (laughs) Isn't that silly? four cats now. Come on. Anyway, we a have, marmalade fellow we is have, going to be really important. Um, is, uh, you, and, and so it's a male, huh? Yes. <laughs> She's holding her fingers up in a cross. You know, <laughs> not another one. Uh, it, hey, it just, I'm a cat person. I can relate. I keep doing these rescues, and I think my name is down on every rescue place in the city. Uh, you know, all these cat rescues keep going. Oh, but just one more. There's nothing you can do. It's it's. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and the other thing. More. Yeah. It better better be good. Well, I don't know, but it's weird. You know, I was reading the paper the other day, except yes. it wasn't really the paper. Yes. And Britain is crowning their monarch. Okay. Well, they already have one. So my guess is something's going to be happening to Elizabeth. <sighs> All right. Um, I'm not recording that because the recorded predictions are already gone. <sighs> There's, you know, if you're an, if you're an animal person and an animal shows up at your door, I mean, like for us, it's it's cats, right? My sister, Jessie, dogs. For me, it's a cat. And a cat shows up, probably knows the other four are here. There's probably something like a neon sign that's above the house saying, sucker, 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 in cat ease <laughs> or something. Well, there's nothing you can do. I mean, if they're there, what are you going to do? Throw a stone at it? No. Can't do that. Go out there and go, shoo, shoo, go away. No, it's probably hungry and cold and has picked you, and then you're doomed. You're just doomed. There's nothing else you can do. You now have another another animal in the house. On, on my special uh, physical contact line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art Bell. How's well, it going? Oh, it's, uh, it's going... Well, it was going all right until a minute ago. What's up? I um, have a story... I was in southern Colorado yes. near Cortez. Okay. And me and a friend were traveling and staying in a hotel. What is your first name? My first name's Rebecca. Rebecca, okay. And you were staying in a hotel. And suddenly we Is your friend there with you? No. No, okay. I heard you t- talking to somebody or something, so um, okay. Nope. 
Okay. And um, suddenly everything just kind of changed in the room. Um, then we started hearing a sound. It was a, like a hum, a buzz. And it started spiraling at the top of the ceiling mm-hmm. and slowly worked its way around us and kept going um, like a we were surrounded by the spiral of sound. Gotcha. And before we knew it, we were seeing almost through the walls and feeling the city around us. Really? And um, the next thing we saw was like a fire down through the floor. A fire through the floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was basically like we were being lifted up above the city and looking down at the mountains, because Cortez is kind of has some mountains around. Right. And there was a fire going on. And um, As in free space? I mean, just hanging up there, looking down? Yeah, it was. we were still in our room. Okay. But it was almost like it was just a veil, like to keep us feeling comfortable where we were put That's or pretty, where we were brought to. That's pretty strange, all right. Yes? And um, anyway, to make the story come uh, basically to its end, we heard the sound kind of slow down, and it spiraled up back up toward the ceiling and went away, and we kind of came back into ourselves and felt, okay. you know, pretty how do, how do you, Why do you presume that what you had was alien contact? Well, uh, we walked outside, and there was smoke all around. And there was, in fact, a forest fire. And uh, we also saw, at that age, I, this was like maybe almost 10 years ago. It was 1996. Right. And... When I was younger, I would always see UFOs, and in fact... So you think you're a contactee. You think you're an abductee now, actually, right? Um, I guess I wouldn't necessarily use that word, just because I don't have the greatest connotation with it. What word would you um, use? I feel like they almost took us for a ride. And then they just brought us back. And they let us feel something that they live with every day. Do you, um, do you they, have any idea why they did it? Maybe just to give us insight that we are capable of it gotcha. to some degree. Okay. And we can use that um, okay. on a... We can use all our consciousness together. Okay. Uh, good enough. Maybe. Um, so far, these really have been quite, you know, literate uh, people explaining, in a, you know, explaining something that, um, yeah, I, you know, otherwise you'd be called a nut, but they, they don't sound like nuts, not at all. So why do you suppose they're here? I mean, trust me when I tell you there's no... Sure, this phone is just ringing off the hook, so there's all kinds of alien contact out there, or, or, or all kinds of 
some kind of contact going on out there. And so far, most of it good, incidentally. In other words, everybody feeling they're benign so far, for the most part. First time caller line, or actually, special line, you're on the air. Hello, this is Victor from Anaheim, California. Hi, Victor. Uh, okay, here's what happened to me. I'm an abductee. Um, this was the second time I saw the aliens. It was, uh, let me see, in 1994, April 2nd. I went to sleep at about uh, 12 o'clock in the morning, and um, uh, so suddenly I became conscious. I couldn't move, and I had a very familiar uh, vibration sort of a feeling that's common to abductees, I believe. And uh, I couldn't move and all that, and uh, the lights were off. I left them on before I went to sleep, and um, I saw these flashing lights, and my body started to float off to the side of my room, and I went, I physically floated through the door, down the hallway, and, you know, because I saw the, the aliens once before this, you know, I, and, and I've read, read a couple things. So, Victor, you knew you weren't dreaming? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the first time I saw him, I was, con- I was totally conscious. So I woke up in the middle of the night, but, you know, I don't want to sidetrack here, but, I, you know, as I floated down the room, I was very calm, like you hear in a lot of books, like, that you're like un, un, un uh, uh, like un, you know, a un, lot unnaturally of, yes, calm. Many, unnaturally many, calm. many abductees have reported that uh, it's almost like they've had a tranquilizer or something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I was unnaturally calm, and I was floating down the down the hallway. But I knew I, I had an idea of what was going on. I floated down the dark dark hallway into the kitchen and through and physically I floated through the garage door and at that point I figured that's where I was going to see him and I closed my eyes completely for uh at that point and when I got into the garage into the garage um I started feeling uh hands and and pulling and pushing sensations on my body Victor uh yes. can can you afford to hold on Oh, sure. All right, we have a break coming, so I want you to stay right there. Ain't got no trouble in my life. No foolish dream to make me cry. I'm never frightened or worried. I know I'll always get by. I hit up. Cool down. When something gets in my way, I go round it. Don't let life get me. 
To talk with Art Bell, call the Wildcard Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Indeed so. It's kind of interesting. In the first part of the show, I think you're seeing why people like the late Dr. Mack took abductees seriously. You, You know, you're just... These are pretty straight-on, real-sounding, calm, but, you know, as you listen to these people, I mean, they sound like they really had this experience. They had contact with aliens. So many of them are claiming it, and so many of them don't sound nutty that it led people like Dr. Mack into wondering what it was all about. And they, and they're pretty smart people, not just the late Dr. Mack, but many others... Uh, they're not dummies, and uh, they believe it's really going on, that we really are being visited. If you just tuned in, we have open lines with a special line, the so-called first-time caller line, reserved away for anybody who's had actual physical alien contact. And that's naturally led to, I guess, hearing from a lot of alleged abductees. And we are so far, and some pretty interesting ones at that. So that line set aside especially for people who have had actual physical contact. And the number is area code 775-727-1222. Other than that, it's open lines. And uh, back now to Victor. I believe Victor is correct, isn't it? Yes. Victor, you were going through, I recall, walls and... Uh, well, doorways. Doorways and all kinds of things, just right invisibly as though they were... Tell me, did you when, when you went through something solid, was there any sense at all? Uh, no, not no. at all. And toward, did you say the garage... Yes, I was in the garage, and when I closed my eyes, in, when I finally, when I before I went through the door, I, I, um, I said, "Well, this is where it's going to happen, and I'm going to close my eyes." And, I you would know, too. If you're headed toward a door, there's only two possibilities: one, you go through it, not the most likely, and the other, it hurts. Yeah. Well, well, when when I got there, you know, I I just you know I got a little braver, and you know I opened my my eyes, you know, peeking through my eyelashes. And I saw silhouettes and stuff, and then I closed them again. And then um, after a while, I just decided, you know, what the heck, you know, I'm feeling good. Why, why not just open up, open them up and see what's going on? And then? And I saw this, uh, this uh, alien with, uh, he wasn't the typical gray like the one I saw before. He had wrinkled brown skin, which, of course, I've seen many a time, uh, heard of about many times on the Internet, if, if you look uh, hard enough, you'll find references to them. And he had white slanted eyes, and he sort of floated from from my uh, from my right side to my left side, and he was looking down at me. And I was wondering, well, why the heck am I seeing this? Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it was right when I thought that. And, you know, this contrasts the unusual calmness with them, with him looking straight in my face. He turned and he looked right into my face and he gave me the most, you know, incredibly evil smile, you know, you could possibly imagine. It, it looked almost like he was a demon or something. Uh. And, you know, all of a sudden, this, this huge feeling of fear came over me, and it was just like this white haze just kind of just uh, uh, took over my vision. And uh, without, you know, losing consciousness, mind you, I, was, I, I felt absolutely totally awake this whole time. Uh-huh. I... It just faded away like in a mo- into a movie, and I was back in my bed. <laughs> and um, you know, how, do you, how do you know it wasn't a dream? Well, because you know, it, uh, lots of the the stuff that happened to me when I was when I was when I had this experience, uh, I didn't know about that. This was what was you know what was supposed to happen to me. You know, it, when it happened, you know, it was it was later. And in fact, the next the next. The next, like, uh, the next, the very next day, you know, I was reading, um, what was the book Secret Life by David Jacobs? And it was like, it was almost a sign that they were trying, that they wanted me to know that this was, that this was what was going on. And in that book, it, it just describes just about everything. All right, but an alternate uh, explanation for what happened to you could be that you were reading that book and that it was on your mind and that you really did have a dream or a nightmare, or whatever you want to call it. But well, that book could have... You admit you, you were reading that book, so it could have been on your mind. And, oh, and so I ask I, again, I, how do you know it wasn't a dream? Well, because, you know, I've, I've had the other experience and this one, and, you know, I was totally awake. Um, so you've been abducted previously. Yeah. But, you know, the, you know, I don't want to take too much time in the phone call, but, you know, anyway, just, you know, I... Uh, I um. I only read the uh, what was it? the introduction of of uh, that's all it would take that book before. Uh, all right, buddy. Listen, thank you very much for the call. But I'm I'm going to bring that one up as possibly suggestive influence, even if all you read was the introduction. <laughs> Believe me, that would be enough to put it on your mind. So I don't know about that one. Uh, I believe that he believes what certainly what he experienced. I'm just saying that there's a distinct possibility that it was on his mind. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good uh, evening, morning, or whatever. Good morning to you, Art. Uh, Mike calling from Galloway Township, New Jersey, listening to you on uh, 77 WABC out of New York. My old hometown station. Yes. I got a weird story. for. I'm a, I'm a police officer first. Let me blow my siren for you. Oh. <laughs> That'll keep uh, all the drunks off the road. My God, you um, did blow. Galloway, <laughs> Galloway Township is kind of a rural area where... Uh, on the uh, outside of Atlantic City. Yes. And uh, we were dispatched. This is going back in October, and I've been trying to call you. I'm glad I got through. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Jersey Devil. It's like an old wives' tale. Oh, oh uh, I absolutely have, yes. I- I've never encountered it myself, but back in October, early part of the month around midnight, we got dispatched to a motor vehicle accident on Route 9, which kind of connects the Garden State Parkway, and it's kind of like a loop around to uh, Atlantic City. Yes, sir. And we get out there, and the car is in the middle of the road. It's a Nissan Altima, and it's got significant front-end damage. The driver's kind of dazed. Him and his wife, they're in Atlantic City, and they thought they had hit a deer. But the, the damage to the car is not conducive with the deer. Me and the other officer that responded, we looked. We could not find a deer. 
And and why we're there, and I'm a cop for like 23 years, I just got the foreboding that like I'm being watched. Right. And I could swear that I heard like a grunting noise. Yeah. But the damage to the car was significant. We towed it away. It went on a flatbed. Well, what, it, was it in your uh, estimation like it had hit uh, something biological, like a human? A pole, like a fixed object. Oh, okay. I mean, if, it, if a car hits a deer, you normally see like deer fur on the car, and maybe it rolls up and over the hood or, sure. or cracks the, the quarter panel or something like this. Sure. But this looked like it went right into a pole, and the, and the guy said, you know, he didn't see anything. He just remembers hitting something. Mm-hmm. And the two odd things... Um, he was going north on Route 9, but yet the car was almost facing the south town as if it, like, pivoted around, uh-huh. whatever it hit. And huh. the next day, the officer and I that, that investigated, we went out in the earlier part of the shift before the sun was set, and we searched the area. We couldn't find anything, but I swear, as we checked the, the sides of the road, like the tree line off of Route 9 going into the tree line, I swear it looked almost like ostrich prints. I mean, we're looking at him going, this is too big. This is not a deer print, and it's not a man's print. It's like an ostrich, and, and that's not indicative to this area of South Jersey. So, you know, we started talking back at the station that this might have been the Jersey Devil. We never saw anything. But... Oh, wait a minute. You actually told the station you thought it might be the Jersey Devil now. They must have yeah, gotten well, a kick but, out you know, of that. When we, yeah, when we were spitballing back in headquarters, you know, later, we're like, well, what did this guy hit? He didn't hit a deer. No, obviously. Deer? Now, let me slow you down a little bit, uh, and so that I understand. The way I'm Listening to what you're saying, it, it going down a highway, there couldn't be a tree. So whatever it was that was hit had to be so stationary that it, it was would just so cause large. It. You know, it was just there in the road. Yeah, he was right in the road. It's a clear stretch. Speed limit's fifty miles an hour. It's it's two one lane in each direction. It's a two lane road. It's not lit because it's kind of rural. It's like a, a cut around the parkway. And whatever he hit, he hit significant enough to to pivot yeah. the car around. How, how how fast do you figure the car was going? Um, we, did, we didn't quiz him. We didn't have, there were slight skid marks. I would probably say he was doing 50, 45, 50. You know, we didn't so, do a workup. There was no fatality. Whatever was hit should have been real dead. Oh, yeah. If it was a deer, yeah, that's why we went back the next day. If he hit something, it would have been thrown to the side of the road. There would have been enough trees to stop it from going too far into the wood line. But huh. we didn't see anything except those, like, ostrich-sized footprints. And, and we didn't follow it into the Pine Barrens. But I'm just like, it was too strange. So you as reported said, it as night- possibly the Jersey Devil. Have you heard the end of this yet? Uh, well, this is back in October. There was no follow-up. You know, I never heard from insurance companies or whatever. But <laughs> I see. You know. No, I meant your fellow officers. I mean, that would have gotten there. Certainly would have... Well, I tell you, when we drive down that stretch road, everybody always says, you know, we're going a little slower, shining the spotlights, because it's just... And, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. But I said that night, as we're hooking up the car, taking it away, I'm getting a sense, you know, that something's that something's watching me. You know, you just get that sixth sense as a cop that you're not alone out here. And I'm just like, this was too strange, because I couldn't figure out what he hit. Well, you know, there, if there was a deer, it would have been there. Yeah, no, I've got it. All right, officer, thank you very much. There's a There's a... A book about odd happenings in Jersey, and I'm trying to think of uh, Weird New Jersey or something like that. Uh, we keep it down at the radio station, and uh, and I just sit and glance through it every now and then. There are, believe it or not, a lot of weird things that go on in New Jersey. So the Jersey Devil or something, what do you suppose, was? whatever it was, it was, those must have been some legs. That's all I can say. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. It's Nancy from Central Massachusetts. Hello, Nancy. Yeah, I was calling about these weather cycles we keep rolling in here. Ah, uh, boy, there's some buttes, aren't they? Oh, they sure are. Like tonight, you know, they said we were going to have freezing rain, and the temperature is now 42 degrees. The barometer is still dropping. 
Hmm. And, um, you know, it seems kind of strange that we have these um, asteroids that go by and these sun flares, and that now the, the temperature is so warm, and yet now they're talking about snow again in the middle of the week. Well, um, Hunter, our weather patterns are changing. That's all there is to it. And the sooner we recognize that and begin to take steps to mitigate what otherwise might occur, um, the better. They, they definitely are changing. You see, we spend all our time arguing about whether or not man's hand is involved. What's a diff? You know, if it's really changing, then pay attention to that. Uh, Wells to the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Art? Quite well, sir. Uh, blessing to you and Happy New Year to uh, you and your wife, Ramona. Thank you. Same to you. Uh, mine is also uh, about alien contact. Oh. But it's more extensive than your previous callers because... I've had these contacts since I was five years old. I'm now 59. Uh, raised and born in Los Angeles. Uh, I have a uh, top-secret clearance uh, with the U.S. government through the Army in the field of cryptography, which I acquired uh-huh. in 68 through 70. And I spent my tour of duty in uh, South Korea with the 7th Division in Camp Casey, and that's where I was informed by a lieutenant colonel uh, that the U.S. government has knowledge of these contacts because I was told that I had a red file on myself. All right, let's slow down. Okay. Uh, who informed you that the U.S. government had official contact? Uh, there was a lieutenant colonel uh, that uh, was active uh, in the 7th Division uh, during the period of 69-70 when I was on tour there. Under what circumstances would he tell you something like that? I mean, Well, have... there were... There were uh, there was a situation that was going on at that time in South Korea that uh, many of the uh, Americans that were at uh, Camp David was aware of. There was a high racial tension at that particular time because okay. of what was happening in the United States. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I was involved uh, uh, with uh, a particular group of people uh, that uh, was involved in various investigations. Okay. Long story short was that uh, this gentleman uh, who had contacted me very secretly had informed me that uh, there were individuals on the base at the time that felt that uh, my uh, knowledge of certain things was injurious to them and that I was in danger. He, he informed me that... Uh, uh, the U.S. government was not going to allow anything to happen to me because I had a red file on me. That's the first time that I ever that I uh, ever had uh, access to that kind of information. Uh, what he did to confirm and verify that he was valid, there were things that he told me in a two-hour secret meeting uh, that occurred within. Uh, the livelihoods and the life of my family members that only could have been known by, cert- by, by just family members. It's, it's almost as if there was a uh, uh, taping device in the house or on the phone. In they, regard- they knew things. Oh, yeah, very, okay. very, very... Okay, we, we don't have a lot of time, so you've got to okay, get to the okay, bottom now, line for What it. transpired after that is that uh, he informed me that they knew that I had had contacts for a very long time in my life. Now, I'm going to go beyond that uh, to, I'm just uh, giving you information to verify that you're talking to someone who's actually had it. 
I ran for mayor of uh, Gardena in Los Angeles in 2001, and uh, people can look on the Internet. uh, Find out who you are by that means. Okay, so. Exactly. Okay, so now what I want to tell you is this, is that I've had contact with several different species, energy forms, uh, humanoid forms, bipedals that are not human-looking. Okay, if you've had all this contact, then I ask you the standard questions. Do you have any idea what their motives are? I do. Why they're, okay, good. Go ahead. I want to know. What? Okay, number one is that uh, 99.9% of those that are now visiting the Earth are not hostile. They are here uh, because the Earth is in a great uh, 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 difficult time. The shield of the Earth is starting to disintegrate. They're in the process of trying to rejuvenate that. But beyond that, these species have told me that mankind is about to annihilate itself in nuclear war, that biogenetic experimentation has been initiated so that there would be a preservation of the human consciousness and the gene Oh, my God. Mixed with alien life forms that would exist elsewhere. So, in other words, we're about to blow ourselves to smithereens. They're taking samples of us to ensure that some humanity is saved, like so many endangered species. That's correct. Oh, my God. And, and you know, everybody makes the joke about the little green men that come from Mars. Yes. Yeah, well, they exist, but they don't come from Mars. They're about three feet tall. Uh-huh. I am not the only one on the planet. As a matter of fact, there are many of your listeners that will call in and verify this, that they are one of the major entities at the moment initiating biogenetic experimentation. And I was shown a female uh, hybrid human uh, mixed with their particular uh, alien uh, DNA. Uh, this female was about uh, 13 or 14 years old. She was about uh, four feet high. She had the power of levitation. She had pure white hair. That made it strange. Uh, green uh, uh, epidermis, pure white hair, pure white teeth. But she had the physiognomy of one of my daughters. And very, very beautiful, highly intelligent, and very telepathic. Uh, mankind is being visited by, by, by our brothers and sisters that want to help us. Uh, also, uh, what, I, what, what I need to tell you, which, which, which is very dire, I was shown uh, in this craft, uh, uh, with these smaller green entities, uh, a very large screen. It was like a movie screen. I was shown Los Angeles, New York, and Washington being struck by nuclear weapons. I also show, was shown uh, an asteroid that was going to hit the Earth. It was going to come across the United States at nighttime from east to west. A large portion falls off somewhere near uh, Wyoming, and the largest portion falls off just uh, east of the Big Island of Hawaii, which will cause a tidal wave at night, several miles high, striking and destroying the San Francisco Bay Area. And all that was left is when the water receded was the northern uh, portion of the Golden Gate Bridge. God. Yeah. You've given us an awful lot to chew on. Um, oh, I was also so, to, to tell you this. You are, this year, 2005, you and your wife, uh, uh, there's, there's this uh, evolvement that you have made in the last few years. You are now spiritually on the level for contact. And the woman who spoke about the cat that is coming to you, the tomcat that's coming to you, uh, let me, uh, uh, I, I want to let you know something, is that 
through this particular entity that's coming, it's going to heighten your contact level. And when you are contacting... All right, all right. listen, you hold on. Okay. Uh, you hold on. Okay. We're, we've got a break coming up. I don't know. I don't know if I bargained for all of this tonight. I'm, I'm getting far more than I bargained for already. <sighs> that's this program, though. Coast to Coast AM. From the high desert in the middle of the night, I'm Art Bell. Stay right where you are. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from East of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From West of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5 and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? We're getting definitely a more-than-you-bargain-for show so far. We've got a special line open up for those who have had uh, actual physical contact with aliens, one way or the other. And, boy, we've been getting our money's worth. Anyway, if you'll stay right where you are, we have only just begun. So if I've got this straight, biological experiments to save just a little bit of mankind because of the dire things that are about to happen. And then I suppose the planet to be populated by, I don't know, some what, sir, would you say? Some sort of half and halves? No, not the Earth. Uh, uh, the destruction that I saw that would actually start in the Middle East was, was so horrific that the Earth would not be a place that any life form uh, uh, would inhabit not good for man or beast, huh? Yeah, for a long period of time. However, I did. I was shown a very huge fleet, uh, three-tiered 
uh, copper-colored uh, saucer-shaped uh, vessels that were coming into the uh, areas of the Earth that had not been uh, under nuclear attack, and people were boarding those particular vessels. I know for a fact it's going to happen. I also know that you, during this year 2005, after this cat appears, like this woman was telling you, you are going to receive information that is going to take you to a place in the desert at night in your car and follow it through because your greatest wish is going to happen in terms of being contacted. And when that contact is made, the information that you will be given will be the beginning of other people that will call in with messages. And may I suggest something tonight? Just instead of having people call in on the special line for physical contact, there are so many people that have messages to give through your station well, in you've, regard. Well, you've done it, and if they have them, sir, they'll give them. And I, I listen, thank you for your contribution. I uh, appreciate that, I think, um, though I'm not sure that I wish to be hauled out into the desert for a special meeting. I don't, I don't know what I'd do if that really happened. I have no idea. None. International Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, Art. Uh, Hello. I got two stories you can pick. One's an animal soul story, and the other one's a glitch in the timeline story. Well, that's a hard choice, but I'll take the animal story. Okay. Uh, I used to live uh, back in London, Ontario. I'm in British Columbia now. Uh-huh. And my roommate had a, a bulldog, Brittany. Really cool dog. Okay. So, uh, anyway, I ended up moving out west. I was out here for a few years. And uh, one night I have this dream, and the dogs in uh, a hallway or a tunnel, and at the end of the hallway, there's a door. And I'm in the, the hallway with the dog going, well, where's Dennis? Because, like, Dennis was the dog's owner. And the dog was kind of looking up at the door for me to open the door. So that's all I remember. So I wake up, and I phone uh, back to Ontario. And I said, uh, Dennis, I said, I had this really weird dream about your dog. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, you should be dreaming about chicks, not dreaming about my dog, right? But, <laughs> so I go, uh, I said, well, it was just weird. I thought I'd phone to see. Yeah, that's a go. good response. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so I said, well, I'm, I was just concerned. It was awfully strange, right? It had been years. So he goes, well, my dog's in Windsor with my parents. Everything's cool. So I said, okay. So I go to work come home there's a message on the machine phone dennis uh-huh so i called back and he said Brittany had passed away that night oh my goodness and i'm like three thousand miles away and it had been years since i'd even seen the dog and the dog was in this transition in this tunnel at this door oh man what are the odds tell and me about it yeah yeah so yeah that that would be such a severe event to happen to anybody. I mean, what does it now make you believe about the nature of death and everything else? Well, I'm Christian. I believe in the soul and an afterlife and, and everything else. Yeah, but I mean, here you were sent in a dream to help a dog into the afterlife. I know. And that I, it happened with a cat, too. Well, it wasn't the same thing. Doesn't but... con- tra- traditional Christian belief hold that only human beings have souls at all to go anywhere, for that matter? Well, we're the only ones with free will. Well... Yeah, but you met a dog on the other side, sir. That says a couple things here and there, right? Oh, definitely. I believe we're everything, all things, all things are connected, like every bit of energy, like quantum physics level. Well, Whether uh, it's a dog or a plant or it's, it's all one thing. 
All right, good, good enough. That's uh, that, that's an interesting story to contemplate. He only had a dream, but in the dream, he was with the dog that was going through the door that had, in fact, died. Now, what does that say about us, about our abilities, about dogs and souls? A lot, I suppose. First time caller line. Uh, oh no, no, special line. You're on the air. Yes, yeah, Stuart. Hi. What uh, is your first name? Roy. Roy. Roy, this this line is for people who've had actual physical contact. Absolutely. I spent nine days with one uh, from the 18th of June of 2003 until uh, 26th of June in New Mexico, and I've been in contact with them ever since. What is your, I'm sorry. What is, give me your first name again, please. Roy. Roy. I'm, okay. Thank you, Roy. Uh, I also knew Kenneth Arnold. Well, just slow down. Uh, you spent from 18 June through 26 June with an alien. How did that come to pass? Well, it isn't an alien. They're extraterrestrials. We want to change your technology. <laughs> They've been here since Earth, before Earth was formed. So they're extraterrestrials. They're not aliens. The aliens are the humans. They were brought here by ships, just like... The previous men that was on the ex-military said ships would come in and take those of us certain ones away from the planet. That's true. But the human race was brought here from other planets after the earth was flooded and cleansed. You sound really sure about this. Absolutely. I've been involved for 70 years, long before you were born, Art. The whole thing has been a cover-up from the government right on down to your door. How old are you now, Roy? How old do I know? No, how old are you now? Seventy years old. Seventy years old. And I got my first implant in 1940. I have six implants, and three of them are vis- four of them are visible. The last one was put in on the uh, 16th of August um, by the ETs. And this, the be- this began how early in your life, Roy? Pardon? How early in your life? 1940. I had an implant put in my brain, and I can see. Any object that they take a picture of with their ship anywhere in the universe, in color, and I am totally blind normally. One of the fellows that crashed at Roswell on July the 7th of 1947 was supposed to heal my eyes. He was from the planet Alanulus, but he got mixed up with the reptoids, so he's no longer doing much healing. That's quite a story. It's very I, I mean, you know, a lot of people, Roy, would be in doubt of a story like this. I mean, well, I've got the documentation on my website, but I can't give websites. I've been giving no, worldwide true. broadcasts, yeah. and I've had them on with me. J-Rod is a brother to the one that I've been in contact with, which was very popular in the UFO magazine, the August issue, and I have spoken with him because he is no longer on Earth. He was very badly treated at Area 51 and other tr- bases. Yeah. By the fellow that they don't know where he is. They used boiling liquid. They used hot electric prods on them, and all the technology that you're using right in your studio came right from the city since 1947. Well, uh, all, all right, Roy, thank you. Listen, I, I don't know what you say about these things. He sounds so sure of himself, doesn't he? It is reasonable uh, to look at our technological advance as a civilization and look at about that year and then look at the giant leaps we began to take. I don't know what to think of Roy's story. As a 70-year-old man. I mean, it runs the gamut from the very youngest uh, to the middle age to the older people. They all tell very similar 
very sure stories. These people don't sound in doubt. It comes rolling off their tongue so easily. Sure, I guess you can sit back and say, well, you know, the world is full of a lot of crazy people. Or not. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And to you, what is your first name? Lynn. Lynn? Mm-hmm. Okay, Lynn, uh, where are you? Uh, Northern California. Northern Rosa, California. Santa Rosa. Okay. What's up, hon? Well, I wanted to uh, call and let you know about an experience that happened about 25 years ago. I was coming home from work, and it was before the time You're, you're going to have to yell at me a little bit. You're not too strong. Okay. It was before the time change, so it was daylight. Right. I had just gotten off work and going home, and I came around the corner at uh, up in the Motherlode in Sonora on Turnback Creek, and there was two cars behind me. Mm-hmm. As I came around the corner, up over the waterfall, there was a craft hovering over the waterfall. And I slammed on my brakes and looked in the rearview mirror so they wouldn't hit me, and I could see the guy's mouth open. So far, I could see down his throat. <laughs> And the craft was hanging out in front of us over the waterfall. Oh, my God. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing a UFO. And the other part of me said, no, you're not. (laughs) Real close up? Real close up. It was maybe 100 yards away. And um, I thought, well, I wonder how they could see out of that ship. And the next thing I knew, I was inside. The ship? The ship. And I could see... Down below, the waterfall and my car and the two cars that were stopped behind me. Saying you could see right through the body of the ship? I could see through the material. It was like translucent. Yeah, all these stories sound so similar. You heard other callers, didn't you, previous to your Um, call? I heard heard one, the first lady. Well, then there was also the the fellow who talked about, like, being able to see through things. Uh, So I guess it's fairly common. Yeah, well, I could see out. Remember the forest fire? No, I didn't. Remember the young lady who, oh, you didn't hear that. All right, okay. No. She was um, also up and saw, anyway. Oh. So I'm... I saw the beans, and they were in the ship, and I could see the panel, the controls, and everything down below happening, and then I was feeling very at ease and very much peaceful and content. Kind of like you'd had a Valium or something. Um, Yeah, major, (laughs) I, and they were beautiful. Um, I, you know, I don't know what to say. I um, I call for this kind of thing, and I get so much more than I, I bargain for. I mean, you, you sound like a pretty normal person to me otherwise. I would hope so. It was an experience, though, that changed my life. I would imagine it would change your life, yes, forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever. <laughs> All right, what, what different beliefs or knowledge do you have as a result of the experience you had? You were in an alien craft. I mean, that's pretty unusual stuff. Yeah, I thought it was. And I I have to tell you, I got afraid all of a sudden. And when I did, I said, I don't want to leave my children. They're home. The Valium wore off. Yeah, well, I just all of a sudden remembered I had kids at home. Yes. And instantly I was back in my car. Oh, really? And then I watched the ship and it just disappeared right in front of our eyes. Do you remember any message, any communication? Was there any effort at communication? It was all telepathic. It was like, don't be afraid. You know, just Mm -hmm. everything is fine. We're peaceful. 
and I was very much at ease, and I've never felt the peace like that ever in my life, except when I gave birth to my children. I wonder what would have happened uh, had you not expressed a mental desire to return. I probably would have gone with them. You think so? Oh, I think so. I think if you have the choice, yes. So when you hear other people telling stories like the one you're telling right now, stories that are so fantastic, mm-hmm. um, I guess some of it resonates with you because of what you did, right? Oh, absolutely. I believe that we have all kinds of entities that come into our Earth atmosphere around. Did you hear the man who was talking about nuclear war a little while ago and about uh, some of humanity being saved and some of the things that were coming? No. no. Maybe it's just as well. <laughs> yeah, I just I probably wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> I see. Yeah. All right, so you, you think all is w- they're here, but all is well. Well, I don't necessarily think all is well. I just think... They are here, and um, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I only had a very good experience. And then yeah. that's all you can tell. I, I really appreciate your call. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you very, very much. And, uh, you know, these people really sound, um, I don't know, sincere, right? Every walk of life, you've heard from the young, the old, the middle-aged, and it just comes rattling right off, not like it's being made up, not like anything except that it, it happened. So many of them. How can that be? Well, what it does do, though, is it makes me understand why the late John Mack and others have taken this all so seriously, and they really are taking it seriously. And how could they not? They must get stories like this and better. I mean, I'm just picking up calls at random here, right? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Uh, this is Barry from Huntsville, Alabama. Hello, Barry. How are you doing? Fine. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I was just curious. Uh, why do you or your listeners think the aliens would want to preserve the human DNA or the human race? Pretty good question, isn't it? Yes, sir, I think so. Uh, if we were in the process of about to uh, destroy ourselves and the planet we're on, why, well, why would we be worth preserving? Well... I guess one answer, Barry, might be for the same reason that, I don't know, we preserve uh, what we can of animals that are now disappearing on the earth, you know, mammals that are yeah. about, do become extinct. We're about to try and bring one back, by the way, that went extinct. Uh, I don't know, maybe for that reason, just because we're a cool specimen, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's okay. just like one answer. I mean, we're a specimen of intelligence, sort of, right? Hope. <laughs> I don't know. That's my best answer. Okay. Could I make one more comment about the lady that was talking about the weather in Jersey? You may. Uh, there's a website on uh, that shows a hot spot up there in the ocean. Oh. Just south of there is a cold spot. And apparently that, I don't know if it's a natural thing or if it's a recent occurrence, uh, but I've never noticed it before. I, I appreciate your call. The person who watches things like that is Stan Dale. Uh, I recall during the years he was in Australia, he did a great deal of monitoring of ocean temperatures and made a lot of calls based on that. And the ocean has a gigantic, um, overwhelming influence on our weather, no question. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Art. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, sir. This is Bill calling from 
Tucson, Arizona. Yes, Bill. I wanted to ask you a question that I don't think I have ever heard anyone ask you. Have you ever heard of the doctrine of reversibility? No. No, but I'm listening. What does it mean? Well, there's a new movie coming out with uh, Michael Keaton. It's called White Noise. Oh, uh, that I've I have seen the trailer to. I'm very familiar with it. Yes. Uh, back in the uh, early 80s, when the uh, phenomenon was going around that started from the old Beatles album of playing albums backwards. Yes. Where you could get subliminal messages. Right. I started doing a lot of research into the ancient doctrine of reversibility that is taught in the occult. Not, oh. for, not for purposes of wanting to, wanting to take part of it, but trying to find out what the heck was going on. When you say reversibility, do you mean like as in the Beatles albums, reversing? No, I'm, I'm talking about the ability to talk backwards, to write backwards, and to even project images uh, in front of people subliminally without them noticing it. And I would just wondered if you were you, curious with it, because I have discovered some unbelievable, phenomenal do, things. Do you possess the ability to talk backwards? No, I don't possess the ability, but I did teach myself how to stand in front of a mirror and reverse my syllables. And I found out that a lot of these messages, I, I, I re researched probably over 50 different albums, country, western, gospel, and rock and roll. And I, I found a phenomenon in all of them where it's not the words written backwards, it's the actual lyrical sound of the syllables when it's presented backwards, I stumbled on it accidentally by... All right, all right, listen, uh, interesting enough, I'm on a break. Can you afford to hold? Sure, you bet. All right, actually, it's our nickel, so yes, hold on. White noise, it's coming. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime... Sound of the river, you're stopping, you hold everything. A band is Double fall time You feel alright When you hear the music ring Well now you step inside But you don't see too many faces Coming in out Flowers growing on your hill Dragonflies and dying 
Talk with Art Bell. Call the Wildcard Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5 and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Ah, white noise. I try to be very selective about those things that I really take the time to investigate and try to get to the bottom of. And I must tell you that EVP is one of those things that I just... I. I really think there is something to it. I've looked so carefully at the technical aspects of those who collect EVP and what they do that uh, it almost precludes chicanery. Now, not completely. I suppose there would always be something, but, folks, there's really something to this. And then the Halloween show, this last, where I had the opportunity to play something that most people never would have on commercial broadcast radio, about an hour and 20 minutes of the work of a man named George Meeks, who began, who actually built uh, some fairly complex sound equipment that allowed the two-way communication with somebody who had passed on. It was remarkable. It stood the hair on the back of my neck straight up. And so here comes White Noise, the movie. Uh, Hollywood seems to follow fairly closely in many of the footsteps that we put in the dirt here, and I'm looking forward to that movie and what the rest of this caller has to say in a moment. Caller, I wonder if there is another universe, another place, another time where everything is, in essence, backward. Had had you considered that? Hello? Still there? Yes, I am. Okay. What do you think? Well, what I wanted to mention to you was what happened one night in 1980. I was uh, doing research on playing these albums backwards. Yes. And I was picking up typical uh, statements. They... They weren't statements like dogs bark, the green grass, you know, trees trees have leaves. They were all statements that had direct references to some of the ancient names for Lucifer and Satan. None of them had anything to do with God, Jesus, or anything like that. All negative and... and Right, they were all negative. Negative uh and uh, very, I guess you would say, very damning statements. Maybe that is the other side. Well, all of a sudden, during the taping of, uh, like I said, I was playing the albums backwards and I was recording them through my cassette player. All of a sudden, I got statements that were being made directly to me by mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. And one of the what the, the first statement I heard was, "Now that you found us, what are you going to do with this?" As and, though there's a a whole 
I don't know, army on the other side, a whole world on the other side, um, and, and you suddenly realized they were there and they knew that. It was, huh. It's like I had stumbled onto something that absolutely did. Whatever I had stumbled upon, whatever it was, it knew that I had entered into its realm. I hear you. So what? When I, I shared this with my wife and friends, and it scared them to death. And I, I laid it aside. I kept it in my mind all these years. And recently I've begun to research it again and discovered that there's absolutely, definitely something very, very sinister going on in the frequency and through the words we speak to the, uh, when you mentioned the EVPs. Well, I mentioned the research of George Meeks, and uh, in a way he was doing the same thing you're doing. Uh, it's just a matter of medium. Uh, all of it is sound, and it comes to us through these frequencies in these ways. Yeah, it's there's something to it. Well, I think it would be a fantastic, uh, it would be a fantastic topic for a program. If you could get I can't find anybody who understands what I'm talking about. I understand. And I, they hear me, and they laugh at me, and they say, you're crazy. No, 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 no. You found somebody who believes you. I do, sir. Um, I I, I'm fascinated with the whole field. I am looking for somebody. I tried to pursue people who uh, might have followed up on George Meek's work. There's a number of people who are building... Um, electronics uh, to duplicate what Meeks did and try and uh, continue the experiment. Oh, no, um, I believe you, sir. I appreciate that. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Now, there's something to this. Um, all the way back to Alexander Graham, you know, he thought that communication with people on the other side was possible with these devices. He thought that. Many other great men thought it. Many people have experimented uh, with all of this through the years, and there is something to it. I hope that it's not something like that man just described. That it's not as dark as he implied that it is. But we have to we have to allow for the fact that it could be. I'm a great believer in the work of uh, Dr. Jacobs. I I really am not so sure that even even though I've been assured by abductees, many of them, that all is well. That. Um, they felt nothing but relaxation and beneficial this and beneficial that. I understand it seems to be a consistent story with abductees, but it does not convince me that the phenomena is benign. Uh, International Line, you're on the air. Good morning. How are you? Um, rather well, sir. Uh, welcome to the program. What's your first name and where are you? My name is Monty and I'm calling from Europe. From Europe? Well, that's right. You're on the international line. Can you tell us where in Europe? I am not at liberty to discuss that right now. All right. I can't do that. Okay. What I wanted to reveal to you is the uh, reason why that Yushchenko was attempted, uh, somebody attempted to kill him. The poison? Yes. They I'm, found out I, he was immortal. They found out Yushchenko was, was immortal? Yes, it's a conspiracy by the European Union huh. to weed out all of us mortals. You're immortal? Yes. <sighs> um, a conspiracy that... All right, all right, all right. Tell, us, uh, tell me everything you can about being uh, immortal. How does one become immortal? How's well, that for a question? You're, you're born into it. 
you're born into it, like being born into a royal family, huh? Yes. And then what? You grow to a certain age and stop apparent continued growth, and in fact, stop or what? Yes. It's a. It's a pretty hard to explain. I would have to take up most of your show to, in order for you to understand and everybody to understand. But uh, basically, we're all given gifts at, from the beginning of birth. If you're immortal, how long have you uh, been alive? I've been alive for 505 years. 505 years. You've seen a lot happen. Uh, all of those uh, 505 years in Europe? I've, no, I've, I've been all around the world. I've, I've uh, seen a lot of changes. I've seen languages evolve. I've seen the people... The, the styles of everything and, and, and the politics and, and the, the countries come to power and fall. I and, imagine uh, you have seen a lot. Um, what does an immortal do uh, in, in a world of mortals? In other words, um, in life, I suppose even an immortal life, one seeks a partner in that life. Uh, but you would find what? Uh, other immortals? Or do you find earthly women, and they must come and go in your long-lived days? No, you're... It's a, it's a lonely life. A lonely life. Yeah, you don't sound all that fired up and happy about it. No, it's, it's a lonely life. Um, but uh, this is my New Year's prediction for 2005. Immortals will be revealed on this planet within the next six months. Well, are you the spearhead of that movement? I'm attempting to uncover a conspiracy within the European Union to uproot and destroy all immortals. Well... This is the reason why Yushchenko was... Yeah, uh, yeah I, I can understand that uh, mortals would want immortals um, taken off the face of the earth, I'm sure. I'm sure. So that was that was uh, part of the reason for the poisoning. Well, it didn't work out, did it? It was to confirm the fact that he is immortal. All right. I, I do appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, so, obviously, I'm not going to record that. It can't be recorded. It didn't come during the official time, but he does say that immortals will become apparent to the world. 505 years and from Europe. First time caller, oops, special line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art, how you doing? Uh, well, it's quite a night. I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm a first time caller. I, uh, I'm going to tell the story the best way I know how and kind of just bear with me a little bit if you can. I'm bearing. Uh, I got out of truck driving school back in 95, and I was out of school for about eight months and trained with a, a driver, and then I got a, uh, used to take a lot of runs to Lubbock, Texas. And uh, there's a highway down there called uh, US-1. It's a real lonely road to Lubbock. Yes, sir. And, yeah, uh, I don't know, it was about 11, 11, 12 o'clock at night, and I caught a bluish, greenish light off to the right of my trailer. And, yeah, petrified, kind of a young guy at the time, and I pulled the trailer over to see, you know, exactly what it was. And Did you have a partner with you? No, 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 no. I, I, I had then trained with my partner by then. I was I was cleared by the uh, company to uh, okay. drive solo at the time. All right. And uh, so I uh, I stopped the trailer, pulled over, 
Um, now you got to understand, this is one of those two-lane roads that hardly anybody travels on, but all the truckers do to get to where they got to go because they know it's the quickest route. Gotcha. So uh, I pulled it over, got out, and uh, it, it, it's hard to explain what happened, but I'll, I'll, I'll try as best as I can. All right. This thing, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I can't describe it. Landed. Um, at this point, I'm. I can't even believe I'm out of my trailer at this point because I'm something, petrified. But... Something landed, so you didn't see a shape. Well, yeah, but it's 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 not like it's not like what you hear. It's not like what you see on TV. It's right. It's I, I can't explain it, Art. I'm I'm just trying to be as honest as I can with you about that's it. That's fine. I, I, no, that's fine. Believe me. You know, it, it's just it's something I've never seen. It's my so, natural uh, instinct to ask these kinds of questions. Oh so no, no, it's cool. The, the, if I could try to if I could try to explain it, I would the best way say it looks like a football, but not a football. All right, that's something. Um, that's something anyway. <laughs> so this is something that looks like a football, but isn't lands. I, I assumed it landed, stopped. Um, at, at that point, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. I, I can't understand what's going on here. I, I don't know if I'm dreaming or what's whatever it is. So anyway. Um, I don't know if it was a door or something opened up, but a, 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 a light hit me in my face. I couldn't see, but I know it was, I, it's a light. And you know how you hear stories about they, they say they talk to you, but but they like they communicate with your mind? Telepathy, yes. Telepathy. That's exactly what happened. I, there was no, my mouth wasn't moving, but we, we were having a conversation. All right. I couldn't, I couldn't see whatever it was. Do you we remember? Do you remember the nature of the conversation? The, the best way I can explain it to you, Art, it's kind of like um, Christmas. You know how you get to open up one present a year <laughs> that night before the first morning. Yes, that's, well, okay. sometimes yes. That, that's the best way I can explain it. He was like, he was. He said he wanted to show me something, or it. I shouldn't say he because I don't. I never saw it, but it wanted to show me something, and I kind of got the feeling that what whatever this was was. Either a lonely, or 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 um, it's real hard art to explain. But it's it's it either either it was really lonely or or I was special. But I'm not special. Um, so anyway, I, I you know I, I did I, I did exactly what it asked me to do. I I, I came inside. Um, uh, when I walked in, it's kind of like a. Um, you ever go to like one of those movies where I, I don't know exactly what they call them, but it's like a. a not a 3D movie, but it's a uh, a dome movie, a dome shape like. Yes. Um, where you sit down in the seats and the, you can see the whole screen. Right. Okay. Well, it said I, I I want to show you something, and the best way I'm I'm trying to try to make this as fast as I can. I know you got a short short show. Um, it showed me exactly what's going on with the Earth, and what what I'm fixing to tell you is probably going to blow your mind, but I'm. You had a a, a a talk show on your show about three months ago, and the gentleman was high up in, I can't remember, it was in the Air Force and the government or something. He was talking about how the glue, the grays and the blues were fighting between each other. Yes. The blues had made the grays, and the grays became a, a an experiment that went bad. Okay. Um, so anyway, so from what I gathered from this, from the, from this, I guess you want to call it video that I see in these flashes, is that these two species are everything on Earth is a big chess game. This, the, everything that we do, how the governments ran, what things are going on, it's the blue and gray fighting between each other. It's all 
or so we're like puppets on a string, is what you're saying? Yeah, and and it's like the it's, the blues are like the good people, and the grays are like the bad people. The grays want to intentionally hurt, and the blues are like trying to stop something that that they know that they've done, and they're trying to stop it. Well, but, you said you knew what was going to happen to Earth. You were shown what would happen to Earth. What was that? All right, I know it's probably cheap for me to call up and say to you that I think it, that if I say it, that it's probably going to scare a lot of people, and I don't want to to go that route with you. But I know it's your show, so I mean, if if you just tell me the truth, sir, what were you shown? Well, what I was shown is that the Greys had lost the war with the Blues, so the Greys uh, took an asteroid and threw it into the Earth and destroyed the Earth. That's quite a show. You you think that was shown to you as the that was phys- intractable future? That was intractable future that the Greys mm-hmm. had lost the war and that they threw a. Uh, meteor into the earth that destroyed the earth wonderful all right well in most um interesting recent uh science fiction that i've seen uh that would probably be the easiest way to destroy any world and that is to say simply divert uh, something of a magnitude that would erase life right down to the smallest biological entity it would just destroy all life, and it, you it, you wouldn't have to cook up anything special. No death rays. Just send something on a slightly different orbit. That's all. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. I'm calling to speak with Art Bell. That would be me. How are you, sir? Quite well. And what I'd is your? I'd like f- to extend a happy new year to you. And my name is Pat, and I'm calling from New York City. All right, Pat. I'm to you from WABC 77. Of course. And I'd like to share an experience. Maybe your listeners might have uh, some sort of an answer for me. Um, I had an encounter August 18th. Pat, you're going to have to speak up good and loud for me, okay? And, um, Pat? Yes? Uh, speak up good and loud because you're real oh, soft. Sorry. That's all right. Just do uh, the... I had an experience August 18th, 1988. I was going to get some cough medicine for my child at about 10 o'clock at night. I discovered that I didn't have any more, and he had a cold. Um, I had gone uh, downstairs, and I went outside, and I noticed that there was a mist. Well, for some reason or another, uh, while observing the mist, I happened to look up, and I saw something that is, to this day, the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in my life. This is in the middle of New York City, Pat? Yes. Okay. And so I attempted to walk across the street. Now, I live in an area where there's a four-lane area, traffic going in four different directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, I was so enamored by what I was looking at, I attempted to cross the street, and I felt a car go past me very quickly. At that point, I attempted to walk across, and I'm still looking at this thing, and what I see is a huge craft, but it was shaped... Um, sort of like black diamonds because it's in the evening and I'm looking at this thing and I'm so enamored with it and I attempt to turn around mm-hmm. to say to someone, do you see this? And what I noticed was there was no people on the street, no more traffic, and I was just stunned. But I was just so enamored by what I was looking at. At one point I started to wish that someone else could see it, but as far as I can... Pat, Pat I, I want you to hold on, all right? Sure. All right, good. Stay right there. We're, uh... Oh, this is quite a story. Right in the middle of New York City. 
I tell you, ask for it, it definitely comes. This is a doozy. I'm Art Bell. at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5 and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Oh, what a night so far. Uh, We started out with open lines and a special line for anybody who's had actual physical alien contact, and it's been absolutely overwhelming. It's been incredible. So we'll continue that, that line, for those only, and I suppose anybody else, if you can get through on other lines. Otherwise, open lines and anything you want to talk about. A surprise a minute, that's for sure. It's iron. You know, we, we, we have a really cool feature on the um, on the website uh, that allows you to send me messages on the computer, instant messages. And, you know, I watch them. And Dan in Saginaw, Michigan, this is a beauty, says, Hey, Art, if you or your listeners could help, this AM of 11.30.03, I was awakened by a strong a deep, strong voice, which said simply, you have 910 days left. 
I knew this meant to live. Now, this takes me to the date of 5-2706. I'm 33, married with four young boys, and worried. Anybody ever have anything like that? That's uh, pretty weird. As is the story Pat was telling us uh, from New York City. Pat, welcome back. Hi. Hi. Um, anyway, I'm going to pick it up from where we were. I, I remember wishing that someone else could see what I was seeing. Of course. And uh, at one point, I became a little nervous because I couldn't understand why I couldn't see any people and I didn't see any cars. We're talking about a four-lane uh, traffic flow that just instantaneously disappeared. I remember at one point looking across uh, the street, and there was one gentleman standing there. I ran across the street to this gentleman, and I said to him, Do you see this? Do you see this? And he was very calm. Huh. He said to me, Do you see it? He said, Do you like what you see? And I said, It's beautiful. I said, What is it? He said, Well, maybe it's your moon. And I looked at him, and I said, are you kidding me? I said, there is no moon that comes down so low that it hovers over the top of a building. I said, surely. He says, well, maybe where we come from. And I looked at him. And he reached over, and he touched my right hand, and he said to me, if it feels good to you, go with it. And I remember looking at him, and I was thinking, wait a minute, this guy is a little strange. And I noticed that his features were very, very sharp. Uh, he had his skin was almost pale, sort of with a silvery overtone. And I said to him, "Guy, you've got to be kidding me!" I said, "You mean to tell me you think this is a moon?" I said, "You know, I don't know where you're coming from with this." I said, "But somebody else has got to see this." I shot across the street and I ran into a, a little store there because I remember I had come out to get some cough medicine for my child. Yes. And I run into the store, and I'm frantic, and I'm trying to get somebody to come outside with me just so that they could look up and see this that I'm looking at. And, and let me guess, they wouldn't. Actually, they were trying to contain me. I guess I was so excited. <laughs> I guess I was so <laughs> excited by this that uh, they were immediately just trying to get me to calm down. Well, this is pretty unusual because most of these things, you know, occur in the deserts of Nevada and the empty wheat fields of Kansas. But, I mean, here you are in the middle of New York City, for yes, goodness sake. Absolutely. This is why, I, to this day, I don't really quite understand, you know, as I tell you from the depth of my being that this is something that I experienced. I don't know what to make of it. I believe but you. But it stays with me forever from that point. And what I did was I said to the guy behind the counter, please, just, just come with me outside. Just come with me outside and look up. And he said, first, I just want you to calm down. He said, what is it that has you so excited? I said, please, if you just come out with me, you'll see. Well, when I finally got this gentleman to come outside with me, lo and behold, Art, there was traffic. There was people. The world was back. Everything was back. I yeah. just was absolutely flushed with embarrassment. So much so that I forgot to get the cough medicine. I go back home, and my child says to me, where have you been? <laughs> yes, well. And I said, well, I was only gone for a few minutes. He said, no, you've been gone for three hours. Oh, my God. Ask me what happened. I don't know. Maybe you guys can sort of enlighten me. Maybe someone has had a similar experience. I just know for myself that I will never forget that. Well, if you want another big experience, I have a suggestion for you. Oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, I wasn't afraid. I mean, well, I'm, I'm talking about an experience. No, I mean, one I'm one that's going to help you out with this. Now, listen to me. I, what I want you to do is consider going to somebody for regressive hypnosis. You you can recover those three hours. You may not want to know, but if you do want to know, it's possible. Ooh, I don't know if I have that kind of heart. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I wasn't afraid at the time that I was experiencing it. Actually, again, it was the, the closest thing that I could explain what it looked like. Have you ever seen black, shiny rock with uh, sparkles in it? I guess I have. Well, it was very similar to that, but you have to understand that it covered, uh, you know, I'm not good with numbers or width or depth or anything of that sort, but it covered four lanes of traffic and over both sides of buildings on the opposite side of the street. That's how yeah. huge yeah. this thing was. And it was just so beautiful till I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And it seemed the more that I looked at it, the more that it appeared to come down so that I could look at it closer. And I was trying to rationalize in my mind that, okay, well, maybe it's a blimp. Maybe it's something from the stadium because this is, uh, it occurred where we have the courthouses in the Bronx. Yes. So I'm, to me, I'm thinking... Well, maybe that's what it is, but there was no game going on. Yeah, that's what the human mind uh, tries to do. It tries to make sense of what it sees, even if it's impossible. Now, I I sure do appreciate your call. Um, It's right in line with what we've been getting this morning, these calls after calls after calls, from people who are obviously telling the truth. That lady was obviously telling the truth. That's all there is to it. Now... You don't frequently get stories like that, not from the middle of the Bronx in New York, no. But she sounded totally lucid to me, and I absolutely think she believes what she just told us. I I believe it. So it's up to you out there of what to make of it, I guess. Um, On our special line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Um... I've never been on the radio before, so... Well, there's a uh, first for everything. What is your first name? Uh, Al. Okay, Al. Where are you? <coughs> um, Green Springs, Texas. Do you have a cold? <coughs> no, I'm uh, asthmatic. Oh, okay. All right, Al. In that case, just relax and <laughs> tell us what you have to tell us. Okay, I've kind of been listening. This is the first time I've ever really turned to your station. I, uh... Brother-in-law had told me about it. I turned in last week. Of course, we had the tsunami last week, so yes, it was a whole different subject. Uh, I was listening to this lady. She was talking about these aliens' eyes. They actually come from a very bright place. <clears throat> That's why their eyes are so dark. Uh, oh, you you. How do you know this? Uh, well, actually, I studied astral projection. Uh, I kind of got went back into the past, you know, traveling back through past lives, past time. Uh, In doing so, I ended up uh, realizing that I come from another planet. Uh, I had went back throughout times in my life to the point to where I got back to where I wasn't here. I was someplace else. Uh, actually, I believe I come from a planet called... So you're telling Her- me... All of, okay, uh, we'll get to the name. You're telling me that you you figured all this out from doing regressive therapy, going back 
to prior lives? Well, actually, uh, the uh, alien experience that I had yes. basically give you insight. Right? And uh, in, in doing so, uh, you know, you, you can travel back throughout. Uh, I don't know if you believe in reincarnation, but uh, you can travel back and throughout your times that you had been here. I, I do believe in its possibility, yes. Yes, okay. Uh, getting back to the... I, I covered it up. What was the name of the planet? Carillon. And you believe you come from this planet? Yes, they're, they're called Carillonians. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but you have a very earthly asthma. So it, uh, that was in an entirely yeah. different life. So you're not actually an alien being, but you're in in another lifetime. Um, and there are many, there there are many many past life regressive people. I'm sure you've heard many of them on the program, right? Who have taken people back um, through one life, then through another life, and then suddenly, and it's rare, but these past life regressionist people report. That in fact, it's what the, what that man said is true. That people end uh, end up going into something that's not recognizable to the therapist, uh, perhaps another life form altogether, and everything all of a sudden gets indigestible because you can't, you cannot understand nor put to words uh, something that is so foreign and so so alien. There are not words for it. Was to the Rockies. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. Going once. I hear you shuffling around in there, going twice. Are you there? Go on. Hello, how you doing? Uh, hello. Hey, hey, how's it going? You just barely got on the air, so what do you do? I'm Put so down sorry. the phone and walk away? Yeah, almost lost it, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, man. Your yeah, first, hey, uh, what is your first name? Uh, Dale. Dale. Yes, right, Dale. we're out of uh, Lebanon, Oregon. Is that all right? Yes. You bet. Hey, I got this. I, I, uh, I can believe this. All right, back in the 70, nah, 77, 78, when I was a kid, I worked in a gas station, and I was cleaning up one night, and uh, I found this device. I didn't know what it was. And uh, it looked like one of those lighting ballasts you find in uh, lighting fixtures, you know? Yes. Yeah, okay. It's kind of shaped like a, you know, uh, like you find in the industrial uh, lighting ballast, like in a big factory or something. Okay. And it didn't have any wires, and it was really heavy, and I was cleaning up, and I moved it, and it was shaped like a... Uh, uh, about twenty inches long, about four inches wide, two inches uh, deep. It was round. It was round, right? Uh, no, it was uh, yeah. square, like a bar of gold. You know, but but okay. uh, it looked like a lighting ballast. You know, right. with the Got wires coming out of it. Right, right. Only okay. no wires. Yes, no wires. And I moved it, and uh, I went to put it. Ba- I went to put it back after I cleaned up the place. Looked like it'd been sitting there for years. And uh, well, I was told later. I found out from my boss that he got this device from a friend who worked. Uh, in the uh, Chicago the police department. I was in the Chicago area at the time. Right. And uh, he had it since the 60s, and they, uh, he said that the, uh, that it was, that the man told, his friend told him that this was developed by NASA, and what it was, why, why I asked him was because when I picked it up to put it back in, I grabbed it by the center, and, you know, it's long, about 20 inches long and 4 inches wide and 2 inches deep all the way across, you know what I mean? Got it. And I went to twirl it like a baton <laughs> from the center, and yes. this thing acted like a gyroscope. I mean, it had, you know, like when you grab a bicycle or something and you try to move it from both ends on the axle? Yes. This thing, you could, you, the faster you twirled it, the harder it got to move. 
<laughs> and I'm like, what is this thing? So I asked him the next day, and he tells me, well, yeah, I got that from a buddy of mine, and we used to use them in our stock cars. We, all the police cars have them uh, in major cities at that time, he told me, and, and all, the, all the highway patrol. And what they do is they stabilize the car. They're made by NASA. Apparently, they use them in their rockets or something. But uh, he said that... Boy, uh, that's a new one on me. Yeah, I never heard of it. And I'm like, this thing's old, you know? And it's like sheet metal stamped, and it had no openings anywhere. So I you're tell telling how it was me... together nothing, you know? You're telling me there's a device that you can put in vehicles or other things that they will use, stabilize right. them at high no speed. No power supply or nothing. Make I mean, turns more possible than they were. This is a technology I've never heard of. I grabbed the ends and tried to twirl it. The faster you try to twirl it, the harder it was to make it. Yeah, I get the Unbelievable. picture. I get the And picture. he told me this, and he said, oh, yeah, they, they developed this, uh, NASA developed this, and they gave it to the police departments, and they said, oh, no, uh, they were going to give it to the public, and they decided not to. <laughs> no kidding. I, I yeah. wonder. <sighs> yeah, man. That, well, that's way I, cool. I, you know, and he's like, I asked him, I said, oh, yeah, we used in our stock cars. We won a lot of races and stuff. Made the car track true, man. It's unbelievable. Well, they sure are going to the select and, few then, aren't they? Yeah, so apparently he got it from a friend of his. I don't know how he got it, but... <laughs> Well, that's but, a that's a whale of a story. So he had it since the sixties. I imagine I estimated because uh, they had some trophies when they used to race stock cars, and I was working there in seventy eight. So, all right, <laughs> all right, got it, sir. Thank you very much. Take care. That's uh, that's pretty cool. If there really is something like that, and the properties he described, as he would turn it harder, it would become harder to turn. Would, if you think about it, apply to the use that he claimed it was being used for? But you would think if the police and certain civilian agencies or whatever knew about this device, that we would all know about it, right? Wouldn't that be big headlines? International Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art. How's it going? It's going all right, sir. Where are you? I'm in uh, Rochester, Michigan. My name's Mike. Mike, you're on my International Line. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to write down some other numbers, but... Okay. Hey, well, I'm going to have to ask you to. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to call one of the other numbers, Mike. Yeah, that's for uh, people outside the country only, like our 505-year-old immortal friend in Europe. You see, it's very hard for them to get through. So if I don't uh, strictly enforce that, I'm in trouble. Okay. On our special line, you are on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. How you doing? I'm all right, sir. Sounds like you're shuffling the phone in your hand. You're going to have to hold it steady and speak to me. No. Let me go ahead. I'm sorry. I was using a, a wireless headset. There. Never, ever do that. All right, all right. I got you. But uh, my name's Philip. I'm calling from uh, Los Angeles. All right, Philip. Listening to you on uh, XM 165. You betcha. 165 right. is where we are. Yes, sir. And uh, I just wanted to, to tell you something. I was actually born, <laughs> this kind of... Uh, I'm embarrassed about this for some reason, but I was actually born on an alien world, okay? That's a good way to start out. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, um, I've had contact with other children who were born on alien worlds. All right, how do, you, how do you know, Philip, it's an obvious question, that you were born on an alien world? Uh, because my father is an alien. His name is Ra. Um, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't have pointed out his name, but he actually lives here on Earth with me. Um, Ra. My mother... Yes. I just, my mother decided to stay, to stay behind on her home world, um, and I, I don't really, I, I don't really know how to translate its name to uh, your language. So the best I could, I could translate is like uh, initials, like A, A, the number two, and M. Okay. Huh. So, anyways, I was born in an alien world, and uh, when I came here to this planet, well, that makes you an alien. 
Yes. <laughs> well, you are an alien, and um, I, I guess you know. No I, guessing. No, no guessing. No guessing. Uh, okay, Rob, Rob would agree with me. <laughs> you're, you either are or you aren't. Yes. Uh, okay. The, I guess no I'm a little bit of pregnant on this kind of deal. Right. All right. But, so you are an, from what planet do you originate? Well, uh, like I said, the, um, it's hard to pronounce the name of it. Well, that's I right. Initial it out A two M. That's what it's called in, in your language. Well, can um, you can you actually say it? I can't. I could read it. Uh, you know, if you had the text in front of me, I could read it. But I can't really speak language. I was taken from from uh, the world, my my uh, you know planet I was born on at a very young age. I guess you guys would consider it like two years old on on here on yes. Earth. Yes. And so, um, <laughs> I apologize. I'm a little nervous about being on the phone. And uh, and so. Uh, from what I understand, um, uh, this you know, I'm not going to fascinate you stories of uh, you know worlds far away because there are lots of other people to do that. I want to bring something kind of quirky to your to your show tonight. What? Um, <laughs> well, um, children who are born in other worlds, when they come to this planet, um, humanoids who you know were either conceived on your planet and then brought back to our planet or other planets for some reason. Listen, Philip, Philip uh, it's yeah. a great place to hang everybody up. I've got to because it's top of the hour. And we, okay. can, you, can you hold on? Uh, I could, yes. All right, then. I'm right. charging you with holding on. Stay right, <laughs> right where you are. Trust me, we will be right back. Couldn't ever miss the end of this story. From the high desert in the middle of the night, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. To talk with Art Bell, call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. 
The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. And it's a burner. I'll tell you, even if you've never taken a ride, you're on board with lots of people who have. Good morning, I'm Art Bell. We began the program, beginning of the show, by asking for anybody who's had physical alien contact to call our special number, which, by the way, is area code 775-727-1222, and... Boy, have we been getting some hits. EVP, boy, that is one I have got to catch. Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM, and here once again is Philip whose dad is raw, who's from another planet. Yes. Yes. Anything else you'd like to add? I didn't want to cut you off there. Well, um, I just wanted to add, like I said, I wanted to add something quirky to your show instead of telling you tales of far-off worlds and everything like everyone else is doing tonight. Um, my, thing, uh, my thing is I've been talking to other kids who have been raised on, on uh, you know, who've been born on distant planets, who have been raised here back on Earth, and they seem to develop really weird eating habits, I've noticed. You know, I've done some research on this, and like, what do you mean by little, weird eating habits? For well, example, what? Not not really eating habits, just weird desires. The whole, I could tell you as a matter of fact, the whole pickles and ice cream thing that originated from kids who were born on distant planets who came back to Earth. No Seriously, kidding, it did. And uh, my thing, when I turned thirteen, it, it'll hit you. Uh, it'll hit alien kids at any age between, oh, I'd say about uh, eleven to about fifteen. And I'm, I'm uh, 21 now. Um, when I was 13, I had the most unusual craving for uh, maple bacon. It was really weird. <laughs> all right. So, all right, weird cravings and uh, pickles, pickles and ice cream. Hmm. I thought that was reserved away for pregnant women. <sighs> Boy, I'll tell you. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, yeah, Art. Um, as I said, Diane from Linwood, the lady that called from New York. Yes. I had uh-huh, I had that experience uh, 20 years ago, and it's taken me 20 years of having more and more experiences to finally fit all together what happened to me that day. All right. Well, that lady impressed me mightily. I mean, uh, there was just, I don't know, there was something about the way she told her story. Well, you're an just, expert at listening to stories, so well, you would know. Yeah, it just came through as absolutely real, and it obviously resonated with you. So what do you mean you had this? this? Uh, well, 20 years ago, on my 30th birthday, uh, I went up the street to take my dog to uh, for a walk to this right. park. Right, And I was standing in the middle of the park on this baseball field, and I was just looking up at the sky when the next thing I knew, I was across the street from this a park, and I know knew the streets very well, across the street and up on the hill, and my back was turned, and I was looking up at the sky. Yes. And I see these three most beautiful colored things, the, and they were gigantic. The one on the left was a ship. 
It was a dark ship, and it was just glowing, but in front of it was, uh, I guess you would call it a maritime wheel. And then on the bottom, you know how I can only describe on the bottom of the ship, it was on one of those, like in the 14th century or something, on a stem-like deal. <laughs> uh, like an old sailing ship. Yes, that's what it was. But in the sky. But in the sky. And then in the middle, and then in the middle, it, I looked at the middle one, and I thought him to be a king, a king, and he was wearing but a small crown, a small ring, and then at each point was these jewels, and he was looking down at what he was holding, and it was a globe. This sounds like a cartoon almost. Oh, many of these things, many of these things do. And then the third thing was about, as I remember, was about five rows of what I thought to look exactly like fractions that we learned, that I learned in, 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 in junior high. Fractions in sure. a row, all going down. Now, I said to myself, I said, I heard myself say, does anybody else see this? And uh, two, nobody else was around. No cars, mm-hmm. nothing. And I, then I thought, oh, this is just normal. We see this every day. And then I was back in the park. We had an out-of-body experience. Well, what you think so. That, that yeah. other lady said that, uh, yeah, when she got back, the world, the streets, the cars, the buzz of New York City, it was all back. But mm-hmm. during that time, it was all gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same I'll thing, huh? i never forget what I saw. And you're not... Uh, you're not suffering, you know, from some delusion or it wasn't a dream? No, no, no. And when I was back in the park, I just walked quietly home, not shaken, but just something that had happened to me. And then in the 20 years of, of having out-of-body out of experiences, I realized the that you had had what one. happened that day. Got you. All right. Thank you very much. So, so she's saying what happened to the both of them was an out-of-body experience, and I suppose it could be viewed in the way they viewed it, right? As though they were taken elsewhere. Well, I guess in a sense, yes, they were. Out of their bodies to an entirely different... What? Time? Realm? Dimension? I don't know. And then back. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the program. What is your first name? Sandy. Sandy. Good to have you. Where are you, Sandy? I'm in Austin, Texas. Austin. Okay. How are you? Quite well. Listening to all kinds of really interesting stories this morning. Do you have Very. one, too? <laughs> yes. Do you have one, too? Uh, yes, sir. Um, this happened about 25 years ago. Um, I uh, I put my son to bed. He's about five years old, and um, I had gone to sleep. And uh, all of a sudden, um, I was like going to this tunnel really, really fast, and there was these bricks, colored bricks along the side of the tunnel. Do you recall, I mean, what were you doing when this began? You said you had put your son to sleep. Were you walking, standing, sitting? Had you no, no, I was asleep. Room? You were asleep. I had, I had just put him to bed, and then I went to sleep. I see, all right. I had gone to bed. All right. And um, all of a sudden, I'm going to this um, tunnel with all these little bricks colored bricks alongside of it. They were lit up in different colors. And um, Why is this real? Why, Sandy, why is this not a dream? Um, because it changed my life. All right, go ahead. Um, before this happened, I was afraid of death. You couldn't even say casket or 
cremation to me. I I, I had such a fear of dying. Mm-hmm. And 1963, on September 11th, my father was killed in a car accident. Sorry. And um, I uh, I was really close to him, and so I was. It really affected me, you know, and so I was really really afraid of death and and really bad. And, um, so you had a near-death experience. Yeah, and so anyway, I'm going through this tunnel, and I get to the end of it, and I'm going really super fast, and then, like I'm in a vacuum just being stuck through this the air. Mm-hmm. And when I get to the end of the tunnel, I'm, I just hover, and I'm totally coherent, and, and there's this big, huge, pale blue misty circle to the right of me. And I'm I'm there, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, like what the heck's going on, you know? And I could feel the mist on my body, but then when I looked down, I couldn't see my body. I had no body, mm-hmm. but I was thinking coherent, totally, you know. And then all of a sudden, I was beckoned into this light, this mist. And as I walked into the mist, um, it started to open up. You know, there was like an opening came up, like the wind was blowing the, the, the mist apart, and then there was this, it was all open like I was in a room. Yes. And on the other side of the room, my father walked out of the cloud into the middle of the room. And I ran to him, and I jumped in his arms, and I was, you know, really happy to see him. And um, I was crying and everything, and I was like, you know, just totally, the feeling I had was, Undescribable. It was peaceful, loving, just joy, you know. Um, and anyway, I was talking to him, and I was just like, you know, Daddy, 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 you know. And um, all of a sudden, all these other people started coming out of the cloud, and they were relatives and friends that had died. And I was like, oh, this is just so wonderful. This is so beautiful, you know. It never occurred to you that you might be dead yourself? Well, well no, not at the time. Because I didn't know a whole lot about near-death experiences at the time. This is like 25 years ago. And I know, I but never... just the association of meeting your father who had died and all the other people who had died at that point, you've got to start to say to yourself, if you're really sitting there or standing there thinking rationally, hey, these are all dead people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. I, I did realize that they were dead, yeah. But it was so, the feeling was so beautiful that it was like, um, I, it's just really weird. It's okay. just, um, and so anyway, my son, who I was real close to, um, I you couldn't, I'm pry me away from him. You know, nothing could have taken me away from him. And the strangest thing was, while I was there, I said to myself, well, I said I wanted to stay. I didn't want to go back. I wanted to stay with my father. And I said, you know, Jamie will be okay. Jamie will be all right. He'll be well taken care of. You know, and then this voice from behind me said, you have to go back now. And I said, no, no, I can't. I don't want to go back. You know, and I said, Jamie will be taken care of. Jamie will be taken care of. And all of a sudden, it was like this giant hand reached and grabbed me from the back and just yanked me out. And now I'm, now I'm going backwards, back down the tunnel. And I look over my left shoulder and I see myself laying in bed. And then all of a sudden there was this big slam and a pop, and I woke up. And I and when I woke up, I was soaked, literally soaked from perspiration. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, 
I was like, whoa, what the heck's going on, you know? And, and so I hadn't seen my brother for a couple of months. And um, at one point in time in my life, I was seriously con- contemplating suicide. And I was really, even though I was scared to death, I was having a bunch of um, hard times. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, I talked to my doctor, and he had never, he didn't know anything about it. And I talked to a couple of people that were paramedics, and they said that it seemed, it sounds to them that I was clinically dead. Okay, and then um, I told them about what happened. And then uh, one day I was watching TV, this was years later, and this little girl had drowned, and she was talking about going through the tunnel with the colored bricks. And I just lost it, you know. It's like, oh, my God. But the, but the point is, is that after this happened about... Was there anything you had done that night to have brought this on? No, I was perfectly healthy. I was perfectly healthy. Um, I have I have no idea um, uh, why I died or if how I died, but um, well, that's a. I'll tell you, it's a fascinating story, and I I thank you for calling. And it's a classic near death experience, that's for sure. But I don't know, you know, if Matthew Alper were here. <laughs> You know what he'd say, right? He'd say that uh, the human's greatest fear is the fear of mortality, the fear of death, that we don't know what's on the other side, and that any experience like the one the young lady described would be the brain's natural way of protecting itself, or even of, in her case, dealing with her father's death. So I think you have to take that story, fascinating as it was, and put it in a gray box and say, I don't know. There's some people in ufology that do that. I like that analogy. You kind of take it in the gray box and go, you know, on the one hand, it sounded like a really classic NDE story, didn't it? But on the other side of the coin, you can see how her brain would have been stressed to produce exactly what she just told us about. And I don't doubt for a second that she experienced it. I'm just trying to put together what she experienced. International Line, you're on the air. Hi. Well, hello there. How are you? Uh, Quite well, sir. Where are you? Hi, I'm calling from Water Valley, Alberta, Canada. And your first name? It's Al. Hi, Al. Hi, how are you? All right. Good. Uh, I'm not really going to uh, tell you any stories. Either. I'm just curious, on the curiosity basis here, uh, would you, on that hole in Siberia you know, where they heard the hell hole or whatever you want to call it? Yes. Would you have to know if they're going to be sending like a, maybe like a fiber optic camera or something down there to, you <laughs> know, for curiosity's sake, just actually see... Uh-huh. If anything is going to be happening down in the future, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> oh, sir, I don't know. Um, I I don't I don't think so. I I really think that uh, I I think that the scientists that were there ran like hell. That they probably capped off that hole. Probably. <laughs> and frankly, after hearing it, uh, and you know what it sounds like, I'm sure. been a very long time since I played this. I don't know, sir. Would you volunteer to go down, uh, take a look at that? 
Well, I wouldn't want uh, uh, if it was through a camera. I probably would. I really? Would. But what I'm kind of you know is this for uh, what it does it pertain to this deep or the or the hollow earth theory or I don't know. You could find out for us. <laughs> I'm not going to find out nothing, sir. If someone, <laughs> if someone else finds out, I'll kudos to them. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, Thank just you. keep thinking That's... about it. Take care. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, this is Olin in Culver City, California. Yes, Olin. Uh, this mad cow disease in Canada yes. might be caused by chemtrails, which are spraying aluminum and barium on farmland or weather modification. Well, it, um, a lot of things might be, but why do you why do you think that might be? Well, you interviewed William Thomas in Canada. On well, yeah, we know we know that chemtrails exist, and we, to some degree, we know the makeup of them. But I mean, why do you connect it to mad cow disease necessarily? One week before you interviewed William Thomas in Canada, George Norrie interviewed Mark Purdy in Great Britain. And that was on September 7, 2004. And Purdy said, mad cow disease is caused by barium and aluminum poisoning. Ah, all right. Well, I see then how you reached that conclusion. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. But I would say this. If that was the causative agent, then you would think that mad cow would have been detected across wide swaths of America... Uh, certainly the beef uh, uh, part of America where they've been noted, and I think we have not yet detected uh, so much as one case of mad cow in the U.S. Just a wild shot in the dark there. First time caller line, uh, whoops, special line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Turn your radio off, please. Okay, good. Hello, Art. Hey, welcome to the program. Hi, my name is Ron. I'm calling from Youngstown, Ohio. Ron, okay. I'm, I'm 32 years old now, and I just have a strange, unusual, uh, real short story that... Uh, You're 32? Yes, sir, I'm 32. Okay. And uh, I, at the time, I was about seven years old, I think, and um, my parents used to send the three youngest of us boys out of the five to my aunt and uncles uh, up in Connecticut every summer for a summer vacation. Ah. And uh, I'm not real sure how to explain what, what it was, uh, but us, we, my aunt and uncle took us to uh, my... Two brothers and I took us to a local lake that they used to take us to to go swimming and, and just picnicking at. And uh, my two brothers and I were out in the water. I didn't quite know how to swim yet. Um, and the water was about chest high to me. And my two brothers were out a little bit deeper, and they were calling me, come on, come on, Ron, come on. And and just being brothers, I know how they are, and I was afraid to go out because I'm thinking they're going to dunk me and grab me and hold me under and all that. <laughs> And, and I kept saying, no, it's too far out. And they said, no, look, you know, look how, you know, it was up to their waist. They were, they were taller than I was, but what it was, they were on a rock. And they were just trying to get me to come out there, and they were going to mess with me. And right on the other side of this rock was a really deep drop-off. And uh, my two brothers, uh, you know, kept begging me on, come on, come on, come on. And uh, I just, I didn't want to go because I knew they were going to do something. Well, my aunt and uncle ended up calling us in for, that, you know, have a picnic, have a sandwich, and, and so my two brothers start going in, and when as they start going in, after they got past me, I start going out deeper because I wanted to really see if it was still shallow. Hold that thought, Ron. Okay. Uh, hold that thought. We'll bring you back after the break. It is coming as inevitably as the sun in the morning. Oh, I'll be in bed by then, of course. You are all the woman I need, and baby, you know it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Beneath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stared by the flash of a neon light To split the night And touch the sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing songs That voices never share No one did Disturb the sound of silence To talk with Art Bell, call the Wildcard Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5 and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Oh, doesn't music sometimes just set the mood so well? (laughs) Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and if you just tuned in, you're late. We began by, I don't know, sort of beckoning with open lines and a special line for anybody who's had actual physical alien contact. And oh my, what it's brought. Well, all right, back to our first-time caller line, just wide open this night. Hello there. Hey, Art. Okay, well, as we're saying, as um, my two brothers, as they were heading back into shore... You were getting deeper. Yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't that deep, really, and what it was is there was a drop-off. There was a real deep drop-off, and my brothers were doing it to scare me. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted, you know, just as brothers do. And, but as my aunt and uncle were calling us back into shore for lunch, they, you know, they started heading in. And I started going out a little bit deeper, just seeing if they were telling me the truth, that it still wasn't that deep. And? Well, Art, as soon as I stepped on this rock, and I took one more step, I dropped like a rock. And it was, it was over my head, but I was just, I think, like I said, six or seven, so I wasn't that tall. And the water wasn't really that deep, but it was deeper than I was tall. And uh, all I can remember, and I mean, and I can actually remember it like it was yesterday, uh, and this is the honest to God's truth, and I haven't talked, told many people about this, some family, but uh, not very many people, but 
I remember just going straight down into that water and looking up with my eyes open and just seeing the sun through the water and then seeing a figure, a silhouette of somebody coming through, you know, through the sun, through the sunlight, just reaching through the water and grabbing me by the wrist and pulling me out of the water and setting me back up on top of this rock. And it was a girl. It was a young girl. When I got out of the water, it was a young girl. And I was, I wasn't scared. I wasn't panicking. But as soon as she set me back on top of that rock, I looked at her and I started going to shore. And, uh, and I got about five, ten feet and I turned around and looked and there was nobody there. I mean, there was not one person around. There was no guardian girl. angel. I don't know. I do not know. Sounds um, like it. Sounds like you were on your way toward drowning. Yeah, absolutely. I could not swim, and it was a young girl, twelve, thirteen years old, and but she wasn't. She was there, but she wasn't there. I mean, it was definitely something that is just strange and unexplainable. <laughs> it's I, strange and unexplainable. Did you uh, did you tell people on shore about I it? I didn't. I, I went no, back I understand. to shore. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, but it wasn't like I was, I don't know. I wasn't trying to hide it. I wasn't, I just was calm about it. And it was just really strange to me. And, and for years and years, I didn't say anything. And I finally told a couple of my brothers, uh, told them about it. And, and I told my mom, and just, you know, but it's not something that I go and tell, you know, talk about all the time. But it was just something that, that I am absolutely 100% honest to God, no happened to me. Um, these things do happen. It's good enough for and, me. And, and it's, it's just, it, it happens. So people should believe that these things do happen out there. Because they do. Thank you very much for the call. You see, these are pretty well-grounded people. Simply, I guess, willing to tell their stories because other people are telling their stories. It's quite remarkable how that promulgates, you know, the way it spreads. When people hear others telling stories that they normally just wouldn't tell, it opens them up. I, it has a way of just really opening them up. The similarity of the experiences does that. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. How you doing, Art Bell? Quite well. Um, where, are, where are you? Calling from the Bay Area, California. And Okay, and your first name? Uh, my name is Jesse. Jesse, okay. Um, a couple things. Um, I was with a contracting company. I do telecommunication. I do infrastructure cabling. And we had a bunch of uh, contracts at Laurel Space Systems, Lockheed, uh-huh. and uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs and Sandia Labs. And I've witnessed um, at these job sites that I've been at um, a lot of laser technology that's been going on, and I've been in some of these buildings doing the cabling, and um, I've seen a lot of, um, like I say, laser stuff going on, mm-hmm. where um, they're they're working on like force fields around Earth to take out comets, and um, they're working with a lot of stuff like with atoms. And they were working with these atoms, changing like quarters and pennies to different shapes and different sizes. Did you you saw all this happening? Uh, yes, I mean I'd run, I'd be running cables in um, some of these buildings, and I would walk by different rooms where these engineers would be working, and I witnessed some of the stuff, and I would hear, you know, different conversations. Stories. Yes, and it was in, in in some of the places that I the buildings that I've been in. Um, were highly highly secured. I had to go through extensive background checks, and um, 
I just witnessed a lot of a lot of that stuff with with um, at, um, moving atoms, uh, moving shapes of the quarters, pennies, stuff like that. And um, while I was working there, I've um, there was a big conspiracy where a top security official um, from uh, he was from the CIA, but he ended up being a top security official for Lawrence Livermore Labs and Sandia Labs. And a Chinese, uh, he started dating a Chinese um, uh, agent, and a lot of files and keys were missing from uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs where they were doing this technology at. And I just wanted to share that with you and with the people. Well, that's, that's quite something to share. I mean, if you had to go through um, all sorts of, uh, you feel free to talk about it now, huh? Yes. You don't think there'd be any repercussions if they? Oh no, my my bases are covered, and and you know, um, so I don't think there's going to be any repercussions. But I, I've noticed uh, a lot of a lot of laser technology going on. Like I've con- contracted at Lockheed Martin. Big controversy about lasers now. I'm sure you know. Yeah, but there there was a lot of stuff going on over there at the time. There's big con- there was it was in the front page of the news. And uh, 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 the newspaper and uh, of files being missing. This technology is going on over yeah, you, there. But you, for example, you're really telling me you heard scientists um, uh, discussing uh, in, 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 engineers, engineers. Engineers, all right, engineers discussing a protective, uh, I don't know, blanket around the Earth to right. prevent strikes. Well, a force deal where they where they had they had a um, big rock. They had a they had a big rock. Um, with, with lasers, and they were trying to um, uh, explode this rock. Right. And, and so what, they're, what they were trying to do, from what I got, is eventually put these lasers uh, on satellites up uh-huh. in space uh, to blow yes. up these uh, you know, incoming comets, maybe possibly missiles. All right. That's absolutely uh, fascinating stuff. They called it Star Wars, you know. <laughs> that's what they called it, and perhaps that's what you were observing. Isn't that fascinating? I wonder if we have a developed, mature technology that could so protect Earth. And if we did, would they tell us? Well, probably not, right? Our government is, don't ever doubt it, built on secrets. So that kind of thing really could have been going on, and again, that sounded pretty credible to me. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Well, how you doing? I'm doing all right, sir. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Niagara Falls, New York, listening to you on 930 WBEN AM. Way to go. Okay, I've got a question for you. Fire away. Uh, last year, uh, you talked to um, Bob Lazar. That's right. And I don't remember what month or anything, but uh, last Sunday you did a, an encore presentation. Of that, yes. Yes. And he mentioned that he helped um, a company called Tester. That's right. On a develop uh, a model, which I happen to have one of right here. Yes. Yes. Now I was wondering, is there any way that I, I can I can get one? You know, there is a pretty interesting question. I I don't know if they're still available or not. Uh, I I would imagine. I don't know. I, I I'm really not sure. I don't know the answer to that question. But go to Amazon or something and. Uh, Put in uh, tester saucer. <laughs> I, I don't know bad. if they're still available. I I don't think so, but I don't oh. I don't want to say for sure because I don't know. Oh, I'm sure you'll find one. Yeah, but where would I look? 
I just told you, go to Amazon.com, or not Amazon, but uh, uh, what is it? The auction site. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, yeah, but that I don't understand that thing. Every time I go there... eBay. Thank you. eBay. Yeah, go to eBay. There's Put in Tester's one. Saucer, and I bet you'll find one. Tester's Saucer. Sure. Okay. Good and luck. I, I love your show. <laughs> And I wish you were on every night. All right. Well, that's very kind. Thank you very much. But I did that for many a year. Oh, many a year. In fact, uh, many of you wouldn't know, but going back uh, into the 80s, I used to do this program five hours a night, actually sometimes six hours a night, six days a week. Can you imagine? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Sound like you're in Switzerland or something. Hold on one second. Get to the phone. Hurry. Hello. Yes, hello. Okay. <laughs> hello. Yes, phone lady. Yes. Hello. What is your first name? Monica. Monica. All right. Where are you, Monica? I am in Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Okay. And you have called me because? I have um, I have uh, over a dozen situations that have occurred in my life where um, until I've listened to your show... I wasn't really quite sure what they were. And now? I um, And before I did believe that they were um, some sort of um, alien contact or some sort of something that I didn't understand, and it was until I've been listening to your show for the last year that I truly believe it is that. Alien contact? Well, some sort of, some sort of contact. Based on what? What what happened to you? Um, in uh, the first was in um, eighty two. I lived in Brazil, and um, I had a situation where um, I was seventeen at the time, and I even called my parents because they were away at the time, and I said, "I think um, a spacecraft has landed on our our uh, roof." In Brazil. Yes. And um, at the time, the maid, the chauffeur, everybody was asleep. And when I went to go even check with the security guard, he was knocked out. And um, it was the lights and everything. And when my father finally came home, he said, the following day, he said, don't worry. It was the uh, water heater that exploded on the roof. Oh. And it was only until... Well, do you think you were abducted? I mean, do you think you have had experience with alien beings? Well, um, after that, I had a slice in my belly below my um, belly button Mm -hmm. on the left side after that time. And then every couple years, I had a similar sort of experience. All right. Well, it sounds to me as though you ought to go uh, to somebody who can try and figure out what happened to you, maybe do a little regressive uh, hypnotherapy, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and nail down what, what really happened to you. But uh, you are one of, uh, dare I say, millions. Um, based on the phone calls this morning, uh, not that heavily solicited, I might add, an awful lot of people have had these experiences. I mean, just millions of people. If this is just a sample, a little sample of what we're getting this night, then it is millions of people. And it's, an, it's a phenomena worth uh, careful scientific examination. International Line, you're on the air. Hello. 
Hello. Um, it's Jason calling from Vancouver. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? Hi, yeah. Am I right. on the air? Yes, oh yes, you're on oh, the air. Great. I've, I've been listening for about uh, eight or nine years. I've never called in before. Um, Welcome. Yeah, I just, um, I want to tell you a little story about something that happened to me about six, seven, maybe seven or eight years ago. Okay. Um, um, I was, I'm actually, I'm a, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia um, about um, around that time. Um, I was riding on my bike with two friends down a street in my neighborhood, and um, I had a vision that I was on a horse, and I had a torch, and I had gone back in time. Well, let me interrupt here for a second and ask you, if it's, if it's around the time that you were diagnosed with schizophrenia, then... Well, I got diagnosed shortly after that, actually. So this exp- you're telling me this experience caused you to be so diagnosed. You obviously talked about it, right? Yeah, well, um, there was a lot of things that were starting to happen around this time, actually. Um, I was starting to think that I um, could, could read people's minds and stuff like that in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of walking around and taking people on these tours and showing them different power sources and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were certain placements in the city where I could um, pick places of power out. Like it was, um, like there was one instance, um, there was a restaurant, this Dairy Queen, and has a view of the mountains and um, it, where the kind of the water, it's it's kind of on a... Um, peak area where you can see into the inlet into the mountains and I I was taking people on these different power these different tours where there was different power sources there was just a a few situations but uh, um, I guess I've never really heard anyone talk about uh, mental health on your show all right well we're doing that now and um, you know there is a place for this discussion because some of these things obviously do cross the line now I guess it's the job of the researchers and the scientists who damn well ought to be looking into all of this to make that decision about when it does cross the line, and some of it is not real. Some of it is a product of an ill mind. Uh, But then obviously, if you've listened carefully through the night, you know that much of it is not. Much of it is uh, seen, recorded, experienced by very sane, grounded people. So you've got to sort through it all. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Hello. My name is Donna. Donna, we don't have a whole lot of time, so where are you? I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska. And what happened to you, Donna? Okay, in 1993, when my husband and I got married at the judges' chambers here in Lincoln, right after we got done with the ceremony, we were talking to the judge. There was like little gold flecks. You know, real pale, like gold that floated down. Really? Yes, and the judge said, you know, I've never really seen this before. And... <laughs> well, we're going to end this tonight on an up note, I can tell. So <laughs> describe it again. A little gold. It was just like, you know, there was, there was little gold flecks, like little glitter falling. Just from the sky. Uh-huh. Or was it inside? It was inside in the it judge's was, oh, chamber. See, that's a, that's even more impressive. <laughs> and he, he said, well, my goodness, 
We were just looking at it. Of course, we were happy, so we were smiling and everything. Uh-huh, of course. <laughs> and now, uh, has it all worked out well? Have you lived happily ever after? <laughs> well, we've had our trials and tribulations, but yes, we're doing just fine. <laughs> well, little gold flecks at that at such a moment is uh, is that's a good omen, my dear. Listen, I got to go. We're out of time. Thank you Thank very much. You. Bye. It's been such a pleasure uh, spending the weekend with you. And here's the gal with just the right words to take us out of here from the high desert where we do biz in the middle of the night. Good night. Midnight in the desert, shooting stars across the sky. This magical journey take us on a ride filled with the longing searching for the truth will we make it till tomorrow will the sun shine on you